I got an ice sheet here to show you how cold it is. There was a layer of ice on my truck, like, I don't know, a good millimeter or two thick. Like, uh, and I'm afraid of breaking this in my truck. I don't want it to break on me, but good morning, good afternoon. Oh, we gotta say, oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 533. Uh, for anyone who heard a loud sound, if you're listening on iTunes, I just closed the door to my truck. So that is what that loud noise was. Welcome in. I hope you're doing really well. Um, <clears throat> you know, I drove here to this parking lot to record a podcast in ice and snow, and it took me like 30 minutes to defrost my car. Literally, like there was a a couple of credit cards worth of ice, like on top of my windshield. And it, you know, once I finally got it off, it all moved as one piece off my windshield. That's pretty wild. Um, I hope everyone out there is doing well. I know there are people without power. I know it's very cold and all kinds of stuff. Uh, if you're listening to the full version of this, you're hearing it after Christmas. I'm actually recording. Uh, no, I'll, I'll say nothing. I'm doing a different thing this episode. Let me know if you can figure out what's different with this episode as you listen along and watch it go on. Um, I'm doing very well. I'll tell you what, man. I am so confident that I am like the only person recording my sports podcast in my truck in this weather. Like, tell you what, say what you want about the show, criticize me, say anything you want, but tr do not tell me I'm not unique and a little bit different. I Look, hey, sit. This show, no one else is recording in the snow in their pickup truck. I think that's kind of fun and wild and different. Uh, I think it adds a flavor to the show. I like it, man. I don't know. I'm happy. I'm enjoying it. It is uh, blisteringly cold. It's actually warmer today than it was when I recorded episode 532, uh, which it doesn't feel warm. There's lots of ice on the ground, but um, I, don't know. I was actually colder last episode. Let's jump in. On Thursday Night Football... The Jaguars beat the Jets 19-3, and oh, man, uh, I know you'll want to hear me talk about Zach Wilson. Let's actually start with the Jaguars today. I cannot say enough good stuff about the Jaguars head coach, Doug Peterson. The dude has done such a good job. First of all, Doug Peterson does a great job using the unique talents of all of his players. I love the play design. I want to just share a couple of really impressive numbers. Uh, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, and Evan Ingram. Zay Jones has 75 catches for 778 yards this year and five touchdowns. Christian Kirk, 76 catches, 988 yards and seven touchdown catches. And Evan Ingram has 68 catches for 723 yards and four touchdowns. It's crazy how evenly they're, evenly they're distributing the football. Uh, they've got guys making plays everywhere. Those are all people they added during the offseason. And there's a lot of really clever play design going on in Jacksonville, man. For example, uh, against the Jets, they were calling like a tight end screen for Evan Ingram. Like, I love that. They're just putting their players in the best position possible to succeed every single week. And I loved the Jaguars' game plan against the Jets. They got the ball out of Trevor Lawrence's hands really, really quickly, and it totally neutralized the Jets' pass rush. You can't sack Trevor Lawrence or even get pressure on him 
if he's getting rid of the ball right after he snaps the football. I mean, it was just beautiful, beautiful game planning. Uh, I want to talk about Trevor Lawrence because, oh man, he looked so good against the Jets. Not his best game of his life, but like, man, just efficient, confident. He knows the offense really well. He knows exactly where to go with the football. Uh, he was 20 for 39 passing for 229 yards. Uh, he also ran for 51 yards and a touchdown. In the last seven games, Trevor Lawrence has 14 touchdown passes and only one interception. That's glorious, man. He's just gotten better and better and better as the year has gone on. The Jaguars are now 7-8. and eight. I think they're going to win their division and make the playoffs, which is so cool. Year two with Trevor Lawrence, first year with the head coach. A lot of people were doubting him and criticizing him and saying he was overhyped and all this stuff. And I think he was overhyped, but that's not his fault. Certainly he was a good quarterback. And oh my gosh, man, it, it's so awesome. It, it just all goes back to Doug Peterson, their head coach. This team is so full of energy and very motivated. They're like sharks smelling blood in the water. Everyone can sense that this team is headed in a really cool direction. And the players get it. They're fully bought in. Their sideline, man. You watch their sideline. They're so engaged. And I just could not be happier for the Jacksonville Jaguars, their fan base, Trevor Lawrence. Um, it was pretty irritating when people, he has a bad game or two, and people are like, oh, he's a bust. He's terrible. Ah! <laughs> what? I, I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I wasn't here for that. I, I, I had no patience for that or tolerance for that narrative. And, uh, it's really cool to see Trevor Lawrence doing well. Looks like they might lose a playoff game, which is pretty cool. Better than not making the playoffs. Um, that's a deep dig. I'd love to see them win, but I'm not trying to attack them. I just, I can't really see them beating Buffalo or Cincinnati or, uh, Kansas City in a playoff game, but making it in at all is really, really cool. And Hey, any given Sunday, they got a chance. Now the main storyline, the main storyline from this Thursday night football game was the Jets quarterback, Zach Wilson. Really, it was his failure that was the main story. Thursday night was the death of Zach Wilson's career as a New York Jet. He was awful. He was 9 for 18 passing, 92 yards, no touchdowns, had an interception. Although, you know, I will be fair. The interception was a Hail Mary throw before halftime. Wasn't a good throw. I don't know what he was doing. He probably could have been picked off multiple times, but... Um, the interception in this scenario, like, it's just a guy trying to make a play as time runs out before halftime. Now, in this game against the Jaguars, and not for not the first time, Zach Wilson looked totally overwhelmed. He just does not look like a quarterback should in their second year. No confidence. That's, that's sad. Some of that's coaching. Some of that's the fan base. Some of that's him. Um, he's just launching deep balls into coverage, like, Almost as if he's hoping a receiver just makes a crazy play. Just, you know, runs around a little bit, throws up a deep ball late into coverage across the field. It's like, that's, that's not a good look. And what Zach Wilson has been doing recently is making Mike White look really good. Their other quarterback, their, their franchise quarterback at this point. Um, the Jets could simply not move the ball with Zach Wilson as their quarterback. They got three points in the first half. But you know how they did that? They did that because Trevor Lawrence got sacked and fumbled, and that gave the Jets the ball at the 16-yard line. Hard to not score when you start with the ball in the red zone. In fact, things got so bad for the Jets' offense that they actually benched Zach Wilson near the end of this game and put in their fourth-string quarterback, Chris Streveler, a guy who played in the CFL, a former CFL quarterback, and he did better 
than Zach Wilson. Chris Streveler finally got the Jets moving the football. He looked better than Zach Wilson did. He was 10 for 15 passing, 90 yards. He also ran for 54 yards. He had a drive going. Actually, someone fumbled, but like he actually was moving the football way better than Zach Wilson was. It was a different offense, but it is scrappy and fun. I like it. And that that statement, or I guess this statement, really shows how bad Zach Wilson was. He got outplayed by a CFL quarterback. Their four-string quarterback was better than Zach Wilson. Also, here's a thing that I, I think is crucial. Um, the Jets' offensive line played better with Chris Streveler as their quarterback. How do you go from Zach Wilson to Chris Streveler and suddenly late in the game... The offensive line is just better. What's happening? It shows me the team has given up on Zach Wilson. When he's in, there's a sense of doom and gloom and hopelessness. They're not, they're not fighting for him. Mike White is a Jets quarterback. He actually gives them the best chance to win. Maybe the only chance to win. Because Zach Wilson, I, I root for the guy. It's not happening. He, he doesn't bring anything much of value to the Jets offense. Mike White executes at a really high level. And I, I wonder if Mike White had been the starting quarterback all year for the Jets, would they be a playoff team? They might be. They're 7-8. and eight. They're on the cusp. Win a couple more games, which they might have without Zach Wilson. I don't know. What if Mike White had been the starting quarterback all year? Remember, Mike White did not play in this game on Thursday against the Jaguars because he could not get cleared by doctors in time. He's recovering, recovering from a rib injury. What's really painful for Jets fans is that they've drafted two quarterbacks in the top five in a row that have both failed. Sam Darnold was a number three overall pick in 2018. Bam, he didn't work. Uh, Zach Wilson, the number two overall pick in 2021, didn't work. Really, that's two quarterbacks in the top three within three years of each other that both have now failed. And I've heard people say Zach Wilson is the biggest bust in NFL history. That's so extreme and harsh. That's just not true. I I don't know who's writing this stuff, who's saying this crap. Um, You know, Zach Wilson has had a good moment or two. He's not been good. I'm not, I don't want this to be misunderstood, but people are always trying to say this extreme stuff. This is the new, most, biggest, worst thing ever. You've never, like, no, 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 come on, chill out. It's very, very dramatic to say Zach Wilson is the biggest bust in NFL history. You have got to be kidding me. That's nonsense. But um, it's it's not good. And, uh, you know, just... <sighs> it's, it's disappointing. Um, I, I really wanted to see Zach Wilson this year take a step forward and, and show the world he's a franchise quarterback and it hasn't worked out. He lost his job to Mike White. They're done with him. He was getting booed by Jets fans. It was awful. It was embarrassing. I felt bad for the guy. And I don't know what happened to Zach Wilson. I don't know why he hasn't worked out, but he hasn't worked out. And uh, what we saw Thursday night was the last time we're probably ever going to see him play in a Jets jersey. Which, uh, wow, you know. He didn't even last as long as Sam Darnold did. (laughs) That's crazy, man. Oh. Here's what I will say. It's clear to me that no one has any idea how to draft a quarterback. And that includes myself. I'm on the record saying stuff that is wildly wrong. Go look up my old takes about Justin Herbert around the time of that NFL draft. Like, I'm, 
I'm em- embarrassed. Maybe I'm not even embarrassed anymore. Like I've just I've had to change my tune. Obviously, I was wrong about Justin Herbert. Go look up my old takes about Justin Herbert or even Mike White. Right. I'm not throwing shade. I don't want people to think that about this topic. What I'm saying is it's just true that nobody has any clue what they're doing. And people are going to think I'm covering my butt. No, 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 not at all. Uh, But let's go through what's happened. Zach Wilson was a number two overall pick in 2021. He's lost his job to Mike White, who was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys, not even the Jets. Mike White was a fifth round pick in 2018, the same draft that Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, um, they, they could have had Mike White all along. They drafted Sam Darnold, not Mike White. I don't know that Mike White would be who he is if he was drafted number three overall by the Jets in 2018. But that's crazy. Mike White's a fifth-round pick in 2018. He's better than Zach Wilson, who was the number two overall pick in 2021. How about this? Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold were both drafted ahead of Josh Allen. Who, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes are the best quarterback in the NFL. They're definitely the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. Josh Allen was not the number one overall pick. No one saw that coming. If they did, he would have been the number one overall pick by Cleveland. Lamar Jackson, by the way, was a 2019 NFL MVP. He was the 32nd overall pick. Someone picked Josh Rosen ahead of Lamar Jackson. (laughs) Nobody knows what they are doing. Mitchell Trubisky was drafted ahead of Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. It's insanity. Nobody has a clue. Look at the 49ers right now. Their seventh-round pick, Brock Purdy, looks really good. Brock Purdy is throwing the ball better than the quarterback the 49ers started the year with, Trey Lance. And Trey Lance was the number three overall pick last year. How can that be that you're... Seventh-round rookie quarterback is better than the guy you drafted number three overall. Here's the point of what I'm saying. My new philosophy is that nobody knows anything. And I'm going to treat things that way. I don't know. You don't know. The NFL doesn't know. It's crazy. Clearly, no one knows what they're doing. I'm not going to pull out old takes But people need to stop puffing out their chests and pretending like they have this secret knowledge that... Nobody else can figure out. Nobody knows what they are doing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, you're, you're gambling when you draft a quarterback. And no one has any clue who's going to go from college to the NFL and succeed. I would love for the problem to be solved. And it's going to be really fun for me over the next couple of years making content. To make content trying to figure out how to better draft a quarterback. What what stuff really does matter? How to effectively figure out who can go from college to the NFL and succeed. And the football world collectively needs to learn how to better evaluate quarterbacks. But I think it's really important to acknowledge where we are today, which today, right now, it's clear no one has any clue what they're doing. And anyone who pretends to know is lying or just full of themselves. No one has the ability, apparently, to project how a quarterback's going to do in the NFL. We've just seen it play out over and over and over again. I don't buy the people like, I've got the secret knowledge. Okay. (laughs) I believe that there are some factors that are really important for a young quarterback. You know, expectations, uh, the environment they go into, coaching matters. Do you have coaching that fits you and not only fits your personality, but fits your playing style? 
Do you have coaches that build an offense for you and your skill set? Your teammates matter? Do you have players around you that are really good and helpful? The work ethic of the quarterback themselves, that really matters. Your confidence? Are you confident? Are the people around you confident in you? Are they instilling confidence in you? You got to be talented. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that really matters for a young quarterback. But I got to say, I'm just, I am burned out and exhausted with the draft process. The, all the people on Twitter and on YouTube and this guy's going to work and this guy isn't. And I told you this guy was going to succeed. Shut up. Shut up forever. No, nobody knows. And I am going to change my coverage this year when it comes to the NFL draft. Um, I'm tired of people pretending they know what's best. And I'm excited to cover quarterbacks being drafted with, you know, from the perspective of no one knows what they're doing. Let's see what happens. I have an open mind. I, you know, there's a lot of guys in the draft this year that I am excited to see uh, where they go. And, you know, when a team drafts a quarterback in the first round, it's an exciting moment. You're like, ah, yeah, this is the future. This is our guy. It's our franchise quarterback. Yeah, like there. I love that. Um, and I think I know something about the quarterback position. It's fun to break down. But, you know, I think the, the best thing as a content creator for me, I, the most valuable thing I can do is analyze guys who are in the NFL. I, I love breaking down how, like, I can't wait to talk about Davis Mills this offseason and break down his film. How the heck did Davis Mills do this year? I think he's a quarterback who's talented on a really bad team that's holding him back. We'll, we'll see what the film says. Uh, but the, the film that I'm, I'm not really interested in breaking down and trying to, I, I don't know, I don't want to like, I, I don't want to just ra- raise the white flag and give up. And, uh, you know, there, there are friends of mine that make content about the draft. And I, I think it's awesome to try to figure out what's going to happen and make pre- predictions and all kinds of stuff. But it's really important that the underlying understanding is nobody knows what they're doing. And I, I'm just like, it could not be more clear. Brock Purdy, a seventh round pick, is better than the guy the 49ers drafted number three overall. How is that possible? Zach Wilson has failed. Mike White, apparently, fifth round pick in 2018, he's the Jets franchise quarterback somehow. <laughs> Nobody knows, man. And I, I'd i love to talk to quarterbacks. Also, I don't get to sit in the room. I don't get to go to Indianapolis and interview them the way NFL teams do. Um, but Arizona thought Josh Rosen was a better option than Lamar Jackson. You know, like they're just, it's clear to me, no one has any idea what they're doing. And I just think that's an important statement to make. And that's the foundation of where I'm coming from for draft coverage this year, because I just, I'm exhausted by the process. I'm exhausted by the people who are so sure they're right. Clearly no one is. No one knows what they're doing when it comes to projecting how a quarterback in college is going to do in the NFL. So, um, Zach Wilson is done as the Jets quarterback. But I still think he has talent. The dude that, you know, can run around. He's got a good arm. He's a talented young man. He's 23 years old. And I, I don't like that people are ready to just throw Zach Wilson in the garbage. Go be a stockbroker, dude. Football didn't work out. I, I don't know. I want to see him get a second chance. I'd love to see Zach Wilson play with confidence for once. You know, he, he hasn't looked like a guy who believes in himself in a while with the Jets. I'd like to see him with a different coach in a different situation. 
There are at least nine places I'd love to see Zach Wilson go. Uh, I'm going to go through them in no particular order, but number one is Washington. Imagine Zach Wilson going to Washington and getting to sit behind Taylor Heineke and develop. You know, he started day one as a rookie. Day one, 2021, against Carolina. He was a starting quarterback week one for the Jets. He never got to sit and learn. And Washington is a borderline playoff team. They're not going to have a high first-round pick. They're not really in a position to draft a quarterback in the first round. So Washington, Taylor Heineke's their guy until they find someone more talented and better than Taylor Heineke. Maybe Zach Wilson can become that guy over time. I like the idea of taking a flyer on Zach Wilson. You got good receivers. You got a quarterback figured out now. Why not add Zach Wilson to your roster and see if in time he can develop into a better quarterback for you to have as a franchise quarterback. He's really talented, and I I hope someone takes a chance on him. Another place I'd love to see Zach Wilson is Minnesota. The Vikings are loaded with weapons everywhere on offense. They've got this awesome offensive head coach, Kevin O'Connell. Let Zach Wilson be the backup quarterback to Kirk Cousins. And maybe someday he'll get another shot. Kirk Cousins gets sick and can't play or gets hurt. You never know. I, I I want to see Zach Wilson somewhere with a coach who would help him out, help him grow, help him develop. And then maybe when he gets a shot, he's more prepared and plays well. Detroit is also an interesting idea. Detroit has Jared Goff at quarterback. They've got a couple early first-round picks. I am convinced the uh, the, the Detroit Lions, almost said Jets, I'm convinced the Detroit Lions need to spend their high draft picks this year building their roster, you know, building around Jared Goff. What's the harm in bringing in Zach Wilson, a talented backup that could learn the system and maybe see if something's there? I like that idea. That's fun. Why not? New Orleans. New Orleans quarterback situation is a disaster. They also do not have a first-round pick. The Saints don't. So again, you bring in a talented young quarterback, Zach Wilson. I don't. What's really that different between Zach Wilson and a young quarterback in the NFL draft? It's two guys who are unproven. You got a 23-year-old young quarterback, Zach Wilson. You got to give him confidence. But um, I, I view Zach Wilson as an available quarterback who's young and comparable to somebody in the NFL draft. And I I would rather have Zach Wilson and try to make it work with him and teach him how to play quarterback than some of the guys available in the NFL draft this year. I don't know what it hurts to bring in Zach Wilson and try to develop him. And for the Saints, is Andy Dalton your guy long-term? What's the risk with trying to bring in Zach Wilson? Here's the thing. I'm not ready to just throw Zach Wilson away. Again, he's a former number two overall pick. There's a reason for that. I'd love to talk to him. I'd love to hear what went wrong from his perspective. I worry that maybe Zach Wilson's toxic mom is kind of a problem. Um, And, you know, Zach Wilson is not going to do an interview. Doing that would only hurt his brand. He just, he can't win. It's better to say nothing. He just quietly work. But I wish I could hear what's going on in his head. Why he thinks things have gone wrong with the Jets and what he's working on as a quarterback. Zach Wilson, if you're out there, reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you, and we can have a quiet conversation off the record. wouldn't be the first time I've done that with high-level quarterbacks, and uh, I'd love to understand what is going on in your head. Now, Zach Wilson would also be really interesting in Miami. Tua gets hurt a lot. Let's just acknowledge Tua, clumsy Tua, (laughs) likes to hold on to the football way too long and take unnecessary hits, and he misses a couple games almost every year. I think Mike McDaniel 
coaching Zach Wilson would be awesome. I think he could instill confidence in Zach Wilson in the same way he did with Tua Tungavaloa. And then throwing a Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle makes every quarterback look better. I think that would be really interesting to see Zach Wilson go to Miami, um, be the backup to Tua, and maybe get a shot someday and see what he could do. All Zach Wilson really needs is to develop, grow, and then when he gets another shot somewhere, if he gets another shot somewhere, do well. Maybe the Giants are an option. He'd get to stay in the same city. I don't know if that's a good thing for Zach Wilson, but uh, you get to play for Brian Dable, a head coach who, uh, as the offensive coordinator in Buffalo, really helped develop Josh Allen. The Giants have questions about Daniel Jones. I'm not sure what they're going to do in the draft. I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback in the first round. So how else are you going to get an alternative solution at quarterback to Daniel Jones? I think you let Zach Wilson be the backup and see if maybe over time uh, he could eventually challenge Daniel Jones as the best quarterback for the Giants. Tampa is a great option. We don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. Uh, If Tom Brady stays, you get to sit behind Tom Brady and grow and be a sponge and try to learn from him. If Tom Brady moves on, they got great weapons in Tampa. They've got a struggling offensive line. Really what they need, frankly, I watch a lot of the Buccaneers, they need a quarterback who's mobile. The the Buccaneers need a quarterback who, when you know the offensive line makes a mistake, they need a quarterback who can make someone miss and extend a play. Zach Wilson can do that. Um, I think Tampa's an interesting possibility. Maybe Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill isn't good enough in Tennessee. And eventually, eventually they're going to want a better option but you can't spend first-round picks on a quarterback when you got Ryan Tannehill, who's good enough. Uh, maybe Zach Wilson could become the guy in Tennessee. Uh, here's the worst option I think of, but it's it's maybe possible. Uh, what if the Jets traded for Derek Carr? What if you trade Zach Wilson and a first-round pick? Like it would not be you'd be trading Derek Carr for a draft pick and maybe a player, and then you can throw Zach Wilson in there. I'm not sure that the Jets would even want Derek Carr. Again, I don't think this is the best idea I have. But how would Zach Wilson do playing for um, Josh McDaniel? Josh McDaniels, there's an S there in, in Vegas. Last one, this isn't on my list, but how crazy would it be if Zach Wilson went to the Patriots? Go be Mac Jones' backup. Maybe eventually he's better. I don't, I don't know. I'm throwing stuff out there at this point. Zach Wilson failed with the Jets, but... People are so quick to just throw away young quarterbacks. And I don't know why there isn't more of an attitude of, why don't we help them and develop them and and teach them? I mean, it's just, he's a waste of talent. He clearly wants to win. I don't think he's happy. I think he just needs a different situation with um, coaching who will work with him differently. And I, I just, to ignore a guy completely like Zach Wilson feels wrong when he's got so much talent. I'd love to work with him if I was a head coach. I'd say, right, let's let's bring him in. Let's let's try to help this kid. He's 23 years old. How different, really, is a guy, Zach Wilson, who if he had trade for him, it's a late draft pick you would trade for Zach Wilson. You wouldn't trade a fourth-round pick to get Zach Wilson to see what he can do. You know? Like, draft a quarterback in the fourth round or trade for Zach Wilson. What's a better option? I think Zach Wilson's available. Uh, and I, I hope someone takes a chance on him because I think there's potential there. He's got a lot to learn. He's got to develop. Um, I, I I wonder if some of what happened with the Jets is just the situation and the, the pressure cooker of playing for the Jets and your job's at risk and all this stuff. And I don't think he handles the media very well. And all, I, I, you know, I, I just wonder if Zach Wilson could do better in a different scenario. 
Uh, and I'd love to see him get a shot somewhere else. So I'm, I'm not ready to just co- totally throw away Zach Wilson, and I hope he goes somewhere else where he's got a shot to succeed. All right, here's a wild thought, one that, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I believe it. If I was an NFL GM or owner or decision maker, I do not believe I would hire a defensive head coach. It's not to say that defensive-minded head coaches don't win. Bill Belichick won six Super Bowls. Clearly, a defensive coach is not the worst idea. You can win. You can do well. But I will say, I look at Miami with Mike McDaniel and Tua, or I look at Doug Peterson in Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, Nick Sirianni coaching Jalen Hurts in Philly. It's hard not to believe right now that the two most important positions in football are head coach and quarterback. I want my head coach and my quarterback working together. That really does matter. I don't even think it's a radical thought to say I I would rather have security where I have a coach working with my quarterback who's not at risk of leaving. You know, for example, look at the Jets with Robert Sala. They've got a defensive-minded head coach. He's great, by the way. Like, look at the way Robert Sala has turned around the Jets' defense. It's extraordinary. It's really good. I, I credit Robert Sala. He's an awesome coach. I root for him. I like him. I also like that when he mismanaged the clock last week, he owned it after the fact. He said, look, I, I made mistakes. I thought that was pretty cool. That gains respect in the locker room. I really like Robert Sala. Michael LaFleur, Matt LaFleur, the Packers head coach's brother, Mike, Mike LaFleur is the offensive coordinator and play caller for the New York Jets. Let's say next year, the Jets quarterback, Mike White, is amazing. Mike LaFleur, the coordinator, play caller, suddenly is going to be a head coaching candidate. And whether it's next year or two years from now, if Mike White does well long enough, you're going to see Mike LaFleur's name thrown out there as a head coaching candidate. And if he leaves, you lose him and you lose the guy who helped your young quarterback, Mike White. You got this awesome quarterback. Great. Suddenly now you got a problem. You need a new offensive coordinator. If you hire an offensive minded head coach, you're never at risk of losing the guy who helped your quarterback. That is why I wouldn't hire a defensive coordinator. It's very simple. Defensive head coaches mean that that's the guy with the most job security, the the head coach. You're at risk of losing your offensive coordinator, and that that would scare me. Now, I have a perspective that's a bit skewed. I I played college football. I loved my head coach. I went there for my head coach. He was awesome. Uh, I was in in his office like every day. I really had a great relationship with my head coach when I played college football. However, he was the defensive head coach. He He ran the defensive side of the football. He was not the offensive coordinator. He gave all the power over the offense to the offensive coordinator. And when I realized that, I was like, oh, crap. When I was looking at coming here, I was talking to the head coach. I'm friends with the head coach. I love the head coach. But he's not the guy who has all the power over me. And I, I went to the wrong school. I really regretted it because as I got to know the offensive coordinator, I hated the guy. <laughs> like, I, I tried to hide it, um, but the dude was annoying. I, I had so many disagreements with him. I didn't like his approach. Um, I, I just didn't like him and I didn't trust him. We didn't connect. Unfortunately though, the offensive coordinator who I didn't connect with, didn't like and didn't trust. He was the guy who had the power over me. 
So I, I acknowledge I am skewed when I say, you know, my experience definitely impacts me. And when I say I wouldn't hire a head coach, there's some of the background there. But the root of why I would say I would say I wouldn't hire a defensive head coach is that, again, you run the risk of losing your offensive coordinator. That scares me. And you can succeed. Watch, you know, the, the Buffalo Bills have a defensive head coach. They lost their offensive coordinator, Brian Dable, but they kept Ken Dorsey. The quarterback coach became the offensive coordinator. It kept some continuity. You can survive losing your offensive coordinator, but why would you want to do that when you don't have to? Mike McDaniel runs the offense in Miami. He's not going to leave for a head coaching job because he's already a head coach. He's been promoted as far as he can. If you had a defensive head coach in Miami right now, and Mike McDaniel was the offensive coordinator coaching Tua, I would be terrified. I'd be like, man, Mike McDaniel's about to leave and go be head coach somewhere, and then the guy who's helped Tua is going to leave. So solve the problem. I would hire an offensive head coach almost exclusively if I was a NFL decision maker. I want the guy who works closely with my quarterback also to be my head coach. The two most important positions in the NFL, coaching quarter, uh, coach quarterback. And if I ran a, a team, I would not hire a defensive head coach. That is why. All right. Um, I watched the new Arizona State head coach, Kenny Dillingham, address season ticket holders. It's kind of a deep cut, kind of weird if you listen to the full podcast. But I thought it was really interesting, kind of a fun way to get to know the new head coach, Kenny Dillingham. Remember, he was the Oregon Ducks offensive coordinator. He helped Bo Nix put up incredible numbers. It's exciting. Uh, he's a guy from Arizona, coached at Arizona State. That's how he got his start in coaching, went to Arizona State. Number one, I, I got to give a critique to this video. It seems like an important video. You're addressing your season ticket holders. Why did they film it with such a crappy microphone? Like, it's as if they're recording Kenny Dillingham on an iPad, and I don't know why they did that. That's just a weird side critique. I hate when people do that. Uh, use a good microphone. It makes a massive difference. Who cares how it looks? It's got to sound good. Now, um, I still heard stuff I really liked. Uh, Kenny Dillingham, first of all, said, we need people to come on game day. You know, it helps us, helps us with recruiting, and we want to build this awesome game day environment at Arizona State. I love that. I thought it was a great pitch. I thought it was really cool. He also said something I've, I've never heard before, but it makes sense. He said, I'm sure it's said a lot, but I heard Kenny Dillingham say it for the first time. It's really cool. He said, I want to be the pitcher on defense. You know, a lot of defenses are the batter. They're reacting to what the pitcher does. He said, no, on defense, I want to be the one in control and make the offense have to adjust to what we're doing. Make them react to us rather than reacting to what they're doing. Kind of a cool philosophy. I really like that. It sounds good. I don't know what it means exactly how you play that out, but let let's see. I got how do you how do you dictate terms on defense schematically? I'm not exactly sure, but we'll find out. We'll watch Arizona State, and that's really interesting to me. Another little tidbit: Arizona State actually hired Bo Baldwin as their offensive coordinator. Really cool hire. He actually was uh, he once worked at Eastern Washington University, won a national championship there. He's fantastic. I really like Bo Baldwin. Rooting for them there. Uh, he also said this term, Kenny Dillingham did, I want to activate the Valley. What does that mean? And he, he kind of makes the Valley in Phoenix sound like a small town, which is kind of cool. He wants to generate excitement. And uh, look, Arizona State is a great place to recruit to because I'd rather be there in the winter than dealing with snow 
and ice like I'm dealing with right now. It's cold as heck. It's 24 degrees outside. I'm miserable. I know it's not cold in Arizona. That's great. It's a fun place to live. A lot of st- stuff to do. Easier place to recruit to than a lot of places in the Midwest. Um, he also, you know, answered questions from season ticket holders directly. He spoke about having honest and direct communication with players. He's like, we got to be able to say stuff that players don't even want to hear sometimes. We got to be honest. And that's number one. I like that. I don't get the sense he's the kind of guy that would lie to recruits and get them in on under false pretenses. A lot of coaches in college do that. They tell you one thing uh, when they're recruiting you. Then you get there on campus, you're kind of stuck there, and you realize everything I was told wasn't true. <laughs> you just said that to get me to sign here. In-state recruiting is really big to Kenny Dillingham. Uh, he hired coaches from Arizona, coaches who at the high school level, won multiple national championships. He, he said we got three coaches who've won national, sorry, who've won state championships in Arizona. So he's hiring coaches who are well connected in the state. I don't know, man. This little address, it's and it's not only going to appeal to like a, a narrow audience of people that like the Arizona Sun Devils, but um, I thought this video was interesting because it's kind of a fun way to get to know Kelly, Kenny Dillingham, a guy who I'm really rooting for. I don't know what to expect from him at Arizona State. They've got a lot to overcome as a program. But he's 32 years old, full of energy. He's from there. I really hope that in a couple years from now, when I look at Kenny Dillingham and Arizona State, they're winning and doing well. I'd love to see that. And, uh, you know, uh, I just, uh, it was kind of, like I said, an interesting way to get to know Kenny Dillingham. All right, let's now talk about the rest of the weekend. Um, and let me know, is there anything you think I might have done differently this episode? As I'm eh, kind of teasing you, I'm in a different location. Anything maybe I've done differently this episode? Um, now, I really, really need your help. So if you're listening to this, please, I am, I'm actually begging you. Uh, I need you to send me a message about what you're about to hear, whether it's on Instagram or Patreon or just a... YouTube comment, I really, really need to hear your guys' opinion on what I'm about to say. I'm, I'm really asking you for a solid here. Uh, I'm about to dump a lot of information uh, about the show and the future of the show and what's going to happen, uh, or maybe not, I don't know. It really depends on your guys' feedback. So I I need you guys to tell me what you think I'm... Uh, 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 I need you guys to give me feedback on what I'm about to say. It was just announced that Raiders quarterback Derek Carr has been benched. He lost his job. The Raiders are now starting Jarrett Stidham as their quarterback for the final two games of the year. It's a shock. It's surprising. And it made me want to cry. Not for the reason you think, though. Not because I love Derek Carr and I'm so heartbroken. But because I find myself stuck in a rock and a hard place with the way I've designed my life. Um... I think there are two really important details you need to know. A, I'm not doing well financially, like at all. I Like the show doesn't make enough money. I work so many hours. And if I got paid a minimum wage rate, I would make way more money than I make now. Like I do not get paid nearly uh, enough based on how much I work. Uh, I, I also like I'm driving for DoorDash a ton to survive, to like fill in the gaps and make enough money to pay my bills. And it's, I'm putting all this effort in. I'm not making enough money. People seem unhappy. Um, and I, I really do not have a person in my life that I trust to go to for career advice. And that makes me sad, but that's really honest. I just don't trust anyone to help me. 
actually, the only people I do trust are the people who listen to the show um, and and therefore are basically my boss. And so I, I need help. Um, I made a decision a while back to stop doing film analysis videos because uh, for a whole year I couldn't access film. And it's a whole mess. I had a whole lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. The result was I do not trust the NFL at all. I, I don't trust them. I, I am terrified to tie my survival to the ability to access film because that feels like at any point could just get turned off and then I'm screwed and I don't know what to do. That being said, uh, as, a, as a news show, I feel like I'm failing. Like I just cannot get the show out quickly enough ever. Um, and it's a lot of work. I'm dying. People seem unhappy. Views are way down. No one's watching. Like, I think if I did one film analysis video, I could probably get as many views as I'm getting in an entire month doing the full podcast. Like, it just, it's just not, people are not listening. And I don't know what to do. <laughs> uh, what I want to do desperately is make a Derek Carr film analysis video. Um, that's also, you only have so much time in the world. And I feel like if I do, if I transition to film analysis, I really can't make a four hour podcast once a week or a couple times a week for strong in sports. Um, one idea I have in my head is maybe do an episode that's like an hour a week on like a Wednesday. And I say, here's what excited me last weekend. Here's what I'm looking forward to next weekend. Here's some Patreon questions. Bam. It's like two topics, Patreon questions. That's it. What was cool last weekend? What's exciting next weekend and Patreon questions. And that's it. And that's a manageable amount of stuff to just be like, what's cool. What's, what do I look forward to? Uh, and, and answer questions. I think I could do that once a week. I just, I, I watch so much football and I'm getting very little out of it. And I, I don't know what to do. Um, the reality is maybe no one answers and I just have to make a decision. But what, what I really want to know is, do you guys, would you rather me do more film analysis and less podcasts? Um, because I, 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 do, it's just, it's a scary reality. I don't trust the NFL but the content I want to make isn't being made. Um, and in the world of news and opinions, like, A, I'm sick of everybody's opinion. I don't give a flip what you think. And a lot of the stuff is manufactured in the sports world. I'm exhausted by the whole process. Um, and I don't know that my saying an opinion on, for example, J.J. Uh, Watt just retired. Me giving like a little opinion on J.J. Watt retiring. Is that? more or less meaningful than me really doing a really cool film analysis video. I think film analysis is probably the coolest and best thing I have to offer the creative sports world. Uh, way, way more interesting than me slinging opinions on a, on a weekly show, strong opinion sports podcast. Do I, I don't know. And I think as I I'm talking through it openly, which is a radical thing and probably going to get me in trouble somehow. I, I don't know. I, I know it, a lot of people's advice to me is you shouldn't be so open. You shouldn't be honest. I, I don't really know what to do. I'm, I'm just going to ramble and talk through it. What sounds cool to me and let me know what you think is if I mostly do film analysis video, like really like if I, 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 I have three ideas. I, I'm honestly scared to say them because I, I know people steal them and that's like a terrifying whole other thought. But I think the best thing I can do is make really awesome film analysis videos about quarterbacks, breaking them down, take my time. There's no um, deadline. There's no pressure. I just, when it's done, it's done and it's awesome and it comes out. 
And then maybe once a week I do a podcast where I sit down. Topic one is what was cool last weekend. Topic two is what do I look forward to next weekend? And then topic three is answering questions from the audience. That's it. And it's once a week. And it's like an hour. That that sounds much more manageable than what I'm currently doing. Um, trying to cover the news is, is just uh, it's 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 really hard. I, I just can't I can't keep up, and I'm failing. Like this isn't gonna come out probably till Thursday, and I'm totally overwhelmed. I, I'm one person by myself. I think if I had a team of people, I could do a show every day or every other day. I don't, and and I, I at this point currently, uh, I need to make a lot more money in order to make strong opinion sports into the podcast that I think it could be like a, a every day, every other day, um, podcast breaking down the news of the sports world. That sounds really fun, but I need, I need help to do that. I, I've kind of had to acknowledge cause I, I'm getting stuff out about Sunday, like on Thursday and that just is too late. I know people don't like that. I don't like that. It's not what I want to do. Um, and so I'm going to repeat this one more time. How does this sound? A weekly podcast, Strong Opinion Sports, where the formula is, I talk about, here's what's cool from last week, here's what I look forward to next weekend, and let's answer some Patreon questions. I I also, like, I don't want to cut the podcast entirely because I need the money from Patreon to survive. Like, you know, uh, but also, that sounds fun. It's a simple formula. I can do that. It's once a week, Strong Opinion Sports, the podcast, and it's what was cool last weekend, what I look forward to about next, for next episode, and then answering questions. I can do that. One episode a week, Strong Opinion Sports, the podcast. Then all my other rest of my time would go into making film analysis videos, which I think I can make really incredible work there that is noteworthy and awesome and that people like and will get more views and I think I'll make more money and and be happier and and also not stressed all the time, uh, which... It's been really hard, like to not have enough money to be trying to keep up with the news cycle. It's I feel like I'm I'm fighting a losing fight. So let me know what that how that sounds to you. A weekly podcast. It's a little more simple. It's just what was fun. What do I look forward to? Answering Patreon and then answering questions. So it'd be three topics basically. And then most of my time I'll be working on film analysis video, which I want to make like there's a reason I started doing that with the Josh Rosen and then Kyler Murray film analysis years ago. It's fun. I love it. It's my favorite thing I've ever done. And I had to shelve it because I I lost trust in the NFL and all this stuff. So um, I'm repeating myself now. But I I really, really, really would like to hear from you guys what you think. How does that sound? I'm probably going to do that anyway, um, being honest, because as I talk through it, that sounds like a massive burden lifted off my chest. Um, but let me know. I'd love to hear what you guys think. And, uh, please, 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 uh, tell me, um, what you guys think about that idea moving forward for Strong Opinion Sports. All right. Let's talk about the rest of the weekend. On Christmas Day, Miami lost to Green Bay 26 to 20. And Tua played bad again. He had, uh, he was 16 for 25 passing, 310 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, Miami has now lost four games in a row. They're currently eight and seven. And now, right now, Miami is still the number seven seed in the NFL. They have a shot to make the playoffs, but they're at risk of missing the playoffs. And, you know, they're only one game ahead of New England and one game ahead of the Jets. They're eight and seven. They were eight and three at one point. 
If the playoffs were today, Miami would play Kansas City, and that would be a fun game. I really believe that. But I, I what I'm seeing is that Tua playing badly, in my opinion, is inviting a quarterback competition in Miami. Whether that's Teddy Bridgewater uh, or what I hope happens is I hope, I hope honestly, I love Tua. I've said that many times. I've got a tiny Tua shirt. I've got a Tua jersey. Tua's like a, a player I, I want to see succeed so badly. But he's not doing well. He's not succeeding. And he's not playing well. I would like to see at this point Miami bring in um, an alternative option at quarterback. And someone to challenge Tua. Because the team is ready to win. Miami's got a great pass rush. They've got incredible receivers. They've got a really good system. They need a quarterback to execute that system. And Tua's becoming a problem holding back this football team. Four games in a row. The 49ers. They lost to Brock Purdy. The Chargers... Buffalo, their second game against Buffalo, Tua, at the end of the game, Josh Allen was better. Now Green Bay, four games in a row now, I've seen the opposing team have a better quarterback than Tua. That And, and one of them was a rookie seventh-round pick. That's really, really concerning. And so I just am hoping that Miami will open up the quarterback position and say, we're, we're, we're holding a competition and the best guy's going to play, but I, I I love Tua, but I want my, honestly, at this point, I love Mike McDaniel more and I, and I want to see Mike McDaniel succeed. And I would hate to see Mike McDaniel hitch himself to the wrong horse, Tua, who's going to hold the team back. And maybe competition would bring the best out of Tua. But what I saw, Tua had four fourth quarter interceptions against Green Bay on Christmas day. That's not going to cut it, man. Bad, like really bad ones, by the way, too. Miscommunications or bad reads. One was just an airmail that Tyree Kill. I don't know what he was doing. Like head scratching, horrible interceptions. And so I am, I'm begging at this point, Miami, to have a quarterback competition. Bring in someone else to challenge Tua because the team is ready to win and Tua is becoming a problem. It's worth noting, by the way, Tua got a concussion. He will not play week 17 on the road at New England. So uh, Teddy Bridgewater is the next man up, and I, th- I think Teddy Bridgewater can do better than Tua, which is uh, wild, but I also believe that. Also on Christmas Day, the Rams beat the Denver Broncos 51-14, to and Baker Mayfield, the Rams' kind of new quarterback, played really well. Baker was 24 for 28 passing, had 230 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, It's also worth noting that Cam Akers ran 23 times for 118 yards and three touchdowns. I really think Sean McVay's system in L.A. operates at its very best when they've got a really good running game. That's what we got to see on Sunday, Christmas Day. Um, I remain very, very curious about Baker Mayfield's future because clearly he can play, but I think he needs help. And as I look around the NFL, I don't see a situation where there's just not a lot of good NFL teams that need a quarterback. Like, if your team is good, it's because your quarterback is good. Uh, Baker needs to go somewhere, I think, that has good receivers, a good offensive line, a good defense. I think he needs help to win, but doesn't every quarterback? Um, and maybe the Jets are an option. Would Baker go to the Jets? Is Baker an upgrade over Mike White with the Jets? I, I don't know. Um, but what good team also needs a quarterback? And also has a good coach. I don't know. That leads me to a question from Davis on Patreon. Patreon.com 
slash Zach Shomler, patreon.com slash Zach Shomler. Good way to support the show. Davis wrote in and said, Merry holiday season from my home to your podcasting pickup. Baker looked good on Christmas. If you're the Rams, are you risking to pay an aged Matthew Stafford next year who could get hurt easier or the younger Baker Mayfield? So Davis asked the question, assuming that there's an option for the Rams to pick Baker Mayfield instead of Matthew Stafford. I want to clarify something. The only way that Baker Mayfield stays in L.A. as the starting quarterback is if Matthew Stafford retires because Matthew Stafford is already under contract for the 2026 NFL season. So all the way through 2026, Matthew Stafford's locked up. There is an out in the contract where after the 2025 season, the Rams could walk away for a much smaller penalty. However, let's acknowledge another thing. The Rams and Sean McVay appear to be a perfect system and situation and fit for Baker Mayfield. But unfortunately, I think L.A. is not a long-term solution, a long-term spot for Baker to play unless he wants to be the number two guy. And I think that would be very um, smart for Baker. I, I Again, as I look around the NFL, I don't see a lot of opportunities where Baker is going to be not only handed a starting job, which I think is not going to happen anywhere for Baker at this point, but also that it is a good situation where he could succeed. Like Carolina was not a good opportunity for Baker. And what team around the NFL doesn't have a quarterback that's ready to win? Maybe Miami, but that's it. And I'd love to see Baker go to Miami. That would be really fun and really interesting. But other than the Jets and Miami, can you name a team that needs a quarterback, potentially, and has a pretty decent roster? I can't. One solution is stay in L.A., be the backup. Matthew Stafford might get hurt again. He also could retire sooner than we think before the 2026 season. I think to stay in L.A., a great town if you're rich, near Lincoln Riley, your college head coach, your wife's happy, it's sunny, it's warm, it's certainly not cold Cleveland in in December. I think you stay in L.A., you fight it out, you enjoy living there, and you never know. Baker's name could get called again, even as the number two guy behind Matthew Stafford. I don't think it's a crazy possibility to think maybe Baker stays as a backup. I don't know that his ego is going to allow that, I think he wants to be a starting quarterback, and I don't blame him. And maybe Seattle's an option. Maybe, I think the Jets or Miami are Baker's best shot to get on the field as a starting quarterback. Is Baker really better than Mike White? I don't know. Is Baker better than Tua? I believe so. I believe Baker could play much better than Tua's played the last four weeks. Miami's basically the only option I can think of for Baker to become a starting quarterback again. Um, I, I Unless I'm blanking on something, Pittsburgh's got Kenny Pickett. The Falcons need a quarterback, but that's a horrible franchise with a lot of bad stuff going on that I would not be party to. Tennessee, maybe. I, you know, I where could Baker go be a starting quarterback other than Miami? I don't know, but maybe the option is to stay in L.A. with a coach you like, in a city you like, your life's pretty good, and you never know. If you stay and fight, you might get another opportunity to once again become the Rams' starting quarterback, even if Matthew Stafford's there. Maybe something happens to him. Maybe he retires. Maybe he plays bad and gets benched. You never know. I'm very, very curious what happens with the future of Baker Mayfield. Now, after losing to the Rams 51-14 to on Christmas Day, the Denver Broncos fired their head coach, Nathaniel Hackett. They're like, hey, Merry Christmas, Nate! You're out of a job. Sorry, buddy. Um, 
You know, it, we saw this coming. I thought Nathaniel Hackett was going to wait, uh, was going to last until the end of the year at least. Um, but it was a horrible year. The team is 4-11. and 11. Um, Russell Wilson, who I think going into the year was a borderline Hall of Fame quarterback, maybe has played himself out of the Hall of Fame. He's got 12 touchdowns and 9 interceptions this year. Russell Wilson's been awful. There was an altercation on the sideline. I think that's ultimately the final straw was ownership and management seeing the Broncos players fighting and, and looking at Nathaniel Hackett just appearing like he has no idea how to control the situation. You know, losing 51 to 14 also shows that you're not making progress as a franchise. So I think Denver excused Nathaniel Hackett uh, for all those reasons above, right? The fighting, the the bad play, the lack of progress. I mean, I guess Nathaniel Hackett lasted longer than Urban Meyer, maybe, is, is a silver lining there. I'm not really sure. But the dude was very much in over his head. And I'm, I'm curious if not only was it, hey, our players are fighting, there's it's just not good what's going on in Denver. I wonder if part of what's going on is Denver's trying to grab the attention of Sean Payton, the former Saints head coach. You know, by the way, the Broncos have remained committed to Russell Wilson. So, uh, and they have to, because they're paying him. They got like another couple hundred million dollars. They still owe Russell Wilson, which is insane, but true. But I wonder, could Sean Payton be the next head coach of the Denver Broncos? And is any of the timing related to let's be the first people to contact Sean Payton about being our head coach. I don't know. I don't know how that process works behind the scenes. I don't I don't even know if technically you're allowed to contact him. But oh man, I would you want to work with Russell Wilson? I think is a question. I think Sean Payton is gonna have the pick of the litter. He'll be able to go wherever he wants in the NFL. Uh he not only saved Drew Brees' career, but then he turned Drew Brees into a Hall of Fame quarterback. He made the New Orleans Saints a horrible, historically bad franchise into a Super Bowl winner and a perennial winner who every year was in contention. Sean Payton's going to go wherever he wants. Is Russell Wilson the quarterback he wants to work with? I, I, I don't know. Would you want to work with Russell Wilson? The weird... I, I, I don't think I would. Is there anything left to work with there? I don't know. But I, I wonder if Sean Payton is the next head coach of the Denver Broncos. All right, the race to the battle to win the AFC South is getting really, really interesting. Not only did the Jacksonville Jaguars win on Thursday night football, but also this weekend, Tennessee lost. And so as a result, the Titans and Jaguars are both tied at seven and eight. And the Jaguars are actually technically first in their division. Mathematically, they're first, even though they have the same record. Week 18, Tennessee will play at Jacksonville. All the Jaguars have to do in order to make the playoffs and win their division is win two games. You win two games, you beat Houston, who's got the number one pick and is the worst team in the NFL. You beat Houston, and then you beat Tennessee. You're in the playoffs. And, and by the way, Tennessee has a backup quarterback, Malik Willis. They lost their starting quarterback for the year. It's a incredible opportunity that's been handed Merry Christmas to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm excited about that. And how about this? Is there a potential for Doug Peterson to be considered as coach of the year? I think it's Kyle Shanahan. It's probably Kyle Shanahan, Kevin O'Connell, and then third would be Doug Peterson, the Jaguars head coach. But let's acknowledge, man, the Jaguars were 
absolutely garbage last year. They were horrible. Urban Meyer was a massive problem. People were saying Trevor Lawrence is a bust. Now look where they are. The Jaguars are probably going to make the playoffs. Trevor Lawrence looks like a franchise quarterback. The offense is awesome. The defense is playing well. Look at how much good Doug Peterson has generated for the Jacksonville Jaguars and that franchise. It's really, really cool to see. And uh, I don't know. I just think Doug Peterson should be considered, at least considered, for NFL Coach of the Year. All right. Um, Do you hear a leaf blower? I do, but I'm not sure where it is. And if you can't hear it and I move, it's a wasted move. But I, I am considering driving to another location simply to get away from the leaf blower. Because I hate leaf blowers. They drive me nuts. And uh, I really don't want leaf blower in the background of the podcast. So um, I guess hold the thought. I'm going to drive somewhere else and I'll be right back, I guess. All right, uh, I've moved locations. I'm now in a Target parking lot, backed up against some shrubs, some greenery. There's a road behind me, car just going by behind me. I actually think in a weird way, um, the cars behind adds kind of a, a fun atmosphere, maybe. I, I don't really know. Eh, let me know what you think. Let's just all pray and hope nobody moons the camera or does something to get me demonetized. But to be totally honest, I think no one can even hear Uh, Or no one can even tell I'm recording back here. Now, my fear is that there was a leaf blower going really loudly in the background. My fear is that you guys couldn't even hear it. (laughs) It it means I moved for no reason, but I'm really pushing my comfort zone now in a much busier parking lot uh, and in a place I've never recorded before. But screw it. Why not? Here we are. Let's talk about the Carolina Panthers. The Carolina Panthers beat the Detroit Lions 37-23. to Both teams really, really needed to win. It was basically a playoff game. They're both fighting to get in. Uh, and what's noteworthy here is the game was not close. Carolina played really, really well. And the Panthers actually led 31-7 to in the second half. They pulled away. It was, or excuse me, they had a massive lead and uh, the Lions kind of pulled closer. But um, really what's interesting is Panthers quarterback Sam Darnold played very, very well in this football game. And it feels like Carolina has found their franchise quarterback, which I would love to hear from Jets fans. How do you feel about Sam Darnold doing well recently? You know, the Jets drafted Sam Darnold. They didn't support him very well. And then uh, he got replaced by Jets quarterback Zach Wilson, uh, ultimately, who would not work out either. So uh, do the Jets fans feel really sad that they let a really good quarterback walk away? who had to be coached by Adam Dace, Adam Gase into oblivion. I'm not really sure. But what if Sam Darnold makes the playoffs and the Jets do not? How much would that sting to watch your old quarterback? Oh, man, it's interesting. Like A, a fun question for this weekend is, who's going to play better this weekend, Mike White or former Jets quarterbacks? The Jets are playing at Seattle against Geno Smith, who they drafted. Geno Smith is now the starting quarterback in Seattle, and Sam Darnold has an opportunity to make the playoffs with Carolina. So two former Jets quarterbacks potentially could play well this weekend. We'll see how Mike White does for the Jets. I'm just, ah, side note, but I'm interested in that. Um, Carolina is 6-9 and nine now. They're one game behind Tampa. Tampa's 7-8. and eight. Carolina's next game at Tampa is basically a playoff game. That's going to have massive, massive implications. I cannot wait to see what happens this weekend to the Carolina 
Panthers. Now, the Detroit Lions are 7-8. and eight. They're behind Seattle and Washington. Not Seattle, Washington, but Washington, but the Seattle Seahawks and the Washington Commanders uh, for the number seven seed. They're battling. They're close. Playoffs are still possible, but losing this football game definitely was a blow. Um, and, you know, Detroit's next two games, they play Chicago and then Green Bay. And that Green Bay game could have both teams, you know, it could be a situation where the winner gets in, which is really, I'm hoping for that. Um, keep your eye on the, the Detroit Lions. They're, they're not dead yet, but losing here was a massive deal. Now, the NFC South is very, very much up for grabs. I am not impressed at all with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, here's the thing. We get to choose what we root for. And if the NFC South is going to have somebody win that division and have a playoff game, I think Carolina is a much more fun story than Tampa. Tampa's been there before. They're also not very good. Uh, it's Tom Brady. Wouldn't you like to see the new kid on the block, the Carolina Panthers, make the playoffs? That sounds fun and exciting. Sam Darnold in a playoff game. Here's the thing. Whether it's Tampa or Carolina, neither team is likely to win whatever playoff game they have. I mean, Tampa just barely beat Arizona 19-16, to and Arizona had a third-string quarterback, Trace McSorley, playing. Tom Brady threw two picks. It was ugly. So would you rather... Basically... Who would you rather see lose a playoff game? Tom Brady in Tampa or Carolina? I would rather watch Carolina make the playoffs and at least that's a fun new storyline than Tampa Bay doing it again and losing a game I'm sure they're going to lose. I don't know. I, I'm just Tampa's offensive line is such a problem and it really holds them back and Tom Brady's all kind of out of sorts. I just would rather see Carolina win that division, the NFC South. The 49ers beat Washington 37-20. to uh, Interesting bit of news from this football game. In the fourth quarter, Washington benched their quarterback, Taylor Heineke. They put in Carson Wentz, their former starting quarterback. He played well. Carson Wentz led a touchdown drive. So now Washington, they're 7-7-1. Seven and 7-7-1. Seven and one. Seven, seven and one. one tie, seven wins, seven losses. Uh, they are right now the number seven seed in the NFC. But Washington has not won a game yet in December, which is really, really problematic. They've tied once in December, but they haven't won. And now Washington has announced that, that Carson Wentz will be their starting quarterback this weekend against Cleveland, which feels a bit desperate. It's very interesting. It's a massive risk to um, two games before the playoffs switch quarterbacks. And it's really hard to feel like uh, it's really hard to feel a sense of confidence in Washington, given the fact that they're changing quarterbacks with two games left to go. It's like, really? Like, okay. I I don't know why. I, yeah, I don't, we'll see. I, I worry it's going to backfire for um, the Washington Commanders. This move to hopefully better your franchise. Okay. Isn't there a reason you benched Carson Wentz in the first place? Like, I don't know. I, I guess Carson lost his job because he broke his finger. Then Taylor Heineke came in. And never gave the job back. So, I don't know. We'll see. It's really interesting. But it feels like a massive risk to go back to Carson Wentz in a really key moment at the end of the year. And what's the narrative going to be like if you go back to Carson Wentz and you lose two games in a row and you don't make the playoffs? Like, oh boy. That'd be hard to swallow. Now, the story of this game. Remember, we're talking about the Washington Commanders playing the 49ers. Uh, Brock Purdy once again won. 
He's 3-0. He's really 4-0 in my opinion because Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt in the first series of that Miami Dolphins game. So he basically played all game against Miami anyway. In this game, Brock Purdy was 15 for 22 passing, 234 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. It's worth noting, I don't know how much this matters. I'm going to share some information that I'm not sure is valuable or not, but it's just worth putting out there. Uh, For example, Miami has got two dominant receiving targets, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. And I don't go, oh, that's that's a concern, that's a weakness. I go, no, it makes sense. You're feeding the best guys you have the football. But in this football game, really only two guys caught the football for the 49ers. George Kittle had six catches for 120 yards and two touchdowns. And Brandon Ayuk had five catches for 81 yards. Brock Purdy only completed 15 passes. 11 of them went to either George Kittle or Brandon Ayuk. Two other guys had two catches. That's it. And there's no reason necessarily it should concern you to have the 49ers offense run entirely through two players. Um, but I don't know. It just It's worth putting out there. Is there anything to that? I don't know yet. Now, I love, love, love the confidence of Brock Purdy. It's so much fun to watch. It's so awesome. It's exciting. Uh, and that leads me to a question from Patreon. Jack wrote in on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Zach Schaumler. Jack, not Zach, but Jack says... Hey, Zach, now that you have already doubled down on not letting the 49ers in your Super Bowl window, I just have one question. Who can't they beat? Who can they not beat? The double negative. Uh, Look, the first time I talked about the Super Bowl window or whatever, I can't remember exactly what I called it. um, Jimmy Garoppolo was the 49ers quarterback, and I stand by the 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback. I'm like, "Eh, is that a Super Bowl contender? I'm not really sure. We've seen it before, and they didn't work out. And the second time we talked about the 49ers potentially winning a Super Bowl, Brock Purdy had just come off the bench and beat Miami. And I was like, well, like, we'll see what Brock Purdy can do. Well, now we're three more games into Brock Purdy. And uh, if I haven't said it already, I'm willing to say now the 49ers are Super Bowl contenders with Brock Purdy. He's playing really well. I love his confidence. I love how he plays. I love his style. Um, And this team... Man, the 49ers, like, who can beat them, really, is the question. Philly, I think Minnesota plays an interesting game against for the 49ers, but uh, I think it'd be incredible. Like, the story I'm rooting for, very much so, is I want to see the 49ers win a Super Bowl with their rookie seventh-round pick at quarterback. I think the chaos that would ensue, like, if you, <laughs> you win a Super Bowl with your third-string quarterback who played really well, what do you do with Trey Lance, your number three overall pick? I I cannot wait to see what would happen in that scenario. So for that reason alone, I'm rooting for the 49ers to win the Super Bowl just because I want to see what in the world would you then do with Trey Lance? <laughs> like, you know, do you trade Trey Lance to Miami who needs a quarterback? And, you know, he, he worked with Mike McDaniel. I don't know, but I'm very curious. And that is why I'm rooting hard for the 49ers to win a Super Bowl because I want them to have to make some uncomfortable, difficult decisions in the Bay Area at the quarterback position. Now, on Saturday, the Dallas Cowboys beat the Philadelphia Eagles 40-34. to Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts did not play. And uh, the big story to me was 
Philly's backup quarterback, Gardner Minshew, getting an opportunity to show the world what he can do. And I have tooted this guy's horn for a long time saying, hey, Gardner's really good. He got a, he got robbed out of a position in Jacksonville. And if you put him on a good football team, he'll win. I swear, I swear he'll win. Not going to lie to you, this game is a bummer. Watching Gardner Minshew lose. Ugh. The agony. It was painful, man. Uh, Gardner Minshew was 24 for 40 passing. 355 yards. Three touchdowns, which is great. But he also had three turnovers. Uh, He had, you know, he threw two touchdowns. He also had a quarterback sneak. So three touchdowns, total one running, two throwing. But he threw two interceptions. Wow, they were arguable. I mean, there was, I felt like the receiver could have battled harder for the football. He allowed a defender to undercut him. It's a contested pass, and the defender was more aggressive to the ball on a slant. Like, that's not entirely on Gardner Minshew, but he also had a a fumble on a mesh point with a running back, which is, you know, it's a failed handoff, basically. And I thought Gardner Minshew could have played better, right? He had a touchdown that was wide open where he missed Quez Watkins, which he throws this weird floater of a ball. I'm like, I don't know why you're throwing the ball at that trajectory, but it's weird, and you miss someone open. Later, he had an interception dropped that should have been a pick. Should have had three interceptions on the day. Should have had four turnovers, let's be honest. It makes me sad to say this because I love Gardner Minshew, but Gardner Minshew looked like a backup quarterback against Dallas. And a good backup quarterback, definitely, but a backup. And I I walked away from this game a bit disenchanted from Minshew mania. Uh, Again, should have had a pick. Should have had a touchdown that he missed. He did some good stuff, Gardner Minshew did, but not enough in my opinion. And Philadelphia is absolutely loaded with talent. They might be the most talented roster in the NFL. Offensive line's incredible. They run the ball well. They've got good receivers. They've got a great defense. If you can't win with that roster, then it's on you. And so I'm going to give Gardner Minshew some tough love. I got to be honest here. Gardner Minshew wasn't good enough. On Saturday. Makes me feel incredibly sad to say that. But there were too many missed opportunities for Gardner Minshew in the Eagles offense. And he's a great backup, man. He gives you a chance, I think. But, um, and that's more than most quarterbacks, by the way. But Gardner Minshew is a backup for a reason. And I think we saw that on Saturday. That's painful, but that's honest. Now, I was actually very impressed with Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott. He had an early pick six. And uh, they were down 10 to nothing early in this football game. But Dak Prescott bounced back. He had this ball where he's trying to, he has a chip wide open. He kind of underthrows, throws a bad ball, gets picked off, run for a touchdown. And you're like, oh man, you're down 10 nothing. And Dak again, he bounced back. He responded. Dak Prescott finished the day 27 for 35 passing, 347 yards, three touchdowns in that one interception. I don't know, man. I have no idea what to make of the Dallas Cowboys. I really don't. Because Dallas's very best game is really impressive and really good. Like, on their best day, Dallas can beat anybody. I believe that. But they're too inconsistent. I, I'm just not confident the Dallas Cowboys can string together enough wins to go on a Super Bowl run. I hope I'm wrong, though. The Dallas Cowboys winning a Super Bowl or being in a Super Bowl would be absolutely good for business. It'd be incredible. It's a massive brand. They've got a huge following. Them in the Super Bowl would be incredible. I just don't know that they can, which is is sad, but honest. 
All right. Uh, on Monday Night Football, the Chargers beat Indy 20-3. The Colts made a big move. They benched their quarterback, Matt Ryan. They're like, we're going to start Nick Foles instead. And Nick Foles, uh, in his start this year, Nick Foles threw three interceptions. And you're like, oh, man. You know, Sam Ellinger didn't work. Matt Ryan hasn't worked. Nick Foles. Maybe it's more than just a quarterback problem in Indy. But that's just my crazy theory. Now, the result of this game is that the Chargers have made the playoffs. The L.A. Chargers are in. They have made the playoffs. And doing that, making the playoffs, is a massive deal for L.A.'s head coach, Brandon Staley. A guy who I think... Let's just say it now, he's got, I think, way more job security given that he's finally made a playoff appearance with the Chargers. They're kind of a complacent franchise. They're not very aggressive. They're not going to fire Brandon Staley unless it gives them a really obvious reason to. And so he's the guy for the next couple of years now. And I think given that he's made the playoffs. Um, also, though, the L.A. Chargers have a lot of talent. Oh, my goodness. They dealt with injuries early in the year. I think that... You know, if you roll the dice and gamble, uh, the Chargers got some really bad, bad rolls of the dice, man. Guys getting hurt, losing some games that they probably should have won, but unfortunate stuff happened. I don't think the Chargers are as bad as their record would show, and I wouldn't write them off because this is a team that fought back from adversity early in the year, and the Chargers, man, can make some noise. Your favorite football team might be in danger of losing to L.A., whether it's KC or Cincinnati or Buffalo or uh, the Jaguars. Like, this is a football team. The Jacksonville, sorry, not the Jacksonville, I mean, the L.A. Chargers, excuse me. The L.A. Chargers are a football team that can make noise and beat your favorite football team in the playoffs because they are capable. They've got a crazy talented quarterback. They've got great receivers. They run the ball well. On the best day, their defense is really good. That That's the team I would be afraid of playing in the playoffs if I had a favorite football team. It reminds me of the Giants when they, you know, a couple years ago won the Super Bowl as a wild card team. You're like, ah, man, this is a really capable team that's probably better than the record would show. And the LA Chargers are very, very dangerous in my opinion. All right, we got two more stories. After 12 years in the NFL, J.J. Watt is retiring. 12 good years. Uh, a lot of you know, an incredible career, really. A three-time Defensive Player of the Year, which is going to be the thing J.J. Watt is going to be known for. He's got two games left in his NFL career. So far, with two games left, he's got 111.5 career sacks. 111.5 sacks in his career. Uh, not as many as I thought, by the way. He's not even in the top 20. Uh, of getting sacks all time, which is significantly less than I thought. I thought for sure he'd be in the top 20. Um, but just tip of the cap to J.J. Watt. What a, a fun career, an entertaining player, a guy who unfortunately I think wasted a lot of his career in Houston on a bad football team. Um, and he, he tried to make a change and go to Arizona late in his career. Didn't work out. They could never win. Not really. But, um, you know, I hope he enjoys. He's got a lot of money. He's got a lot of life ahead of him. He's a young man in his 30s. I hope he's got a a lot of pleasure ahead in his life. And um, I'm really rooting for J.J. Watt long-term, just as a human. He's also donated so much money throughout his career. He's been a really great uh, 
guy working in the community. I don't imagine that's going to stop. And so I just, I look forward to the next time I get to talk about J.J. Watt because I know he's going to do more noteworthy stuff. I really believe that. He's not going to, I don't think he's just going to disappear and do nothing the rest of his life. Whether he's donating money or coaching or broadcasting or something, I'm sure we're going to hear and see from J.J. Watt again at some point. Here's another fun story. NFL Hall of Famer Ed Reed, the legendary safety who gave quarterbacks trouble like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, he just made it really, really difficult for opposing quarterbacks. Uh, That guy, Ed Reed, he's now the head coach at Bethune-Cookman University in Florida. I believe it's in Daytona Beach, but don't, you know, someone fact check me on that. Really, really cool to see a guy like Ed Reed who has such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the football world. You know, maybe a breadth of knowledge is a better word. But it's really cool when people like him stay involved in the game and share what they have, their knowledge and their um, their wisdom about the game of football because a guy like Ed Reed could disappear forever. Buy a private island and be gone and you never see him again. It's cool he's not doing that. It's cool he still wants to be involved in football. It's cool he's going to help young men. I uh, I am rooting for Ed Reed. I really like him. Like His interviews are really entertaining. He's like a, not He's not a loud, flamboyant person the way Deion Sanders is. He's just a thoughtful, highly intellectual, really interesting person to listen to. And I, man, I hope Ed Reed does really well as a college football head coach. I'm rooting for him. Um, He's an easy guy to root for. Like, you really, you got to listen to this man talk. Like, he really just comes across as genuine and interesting and thoughtful. And uh, I really want to see Ed Reed do well as a football coach. Here's the question, you guys. Do we do Patreon questions or do we talk about the upcoming weekend? I think what we're going to do is talk about the upcoming weekend and then dive deep, deep, deep into Patreon questions. Let's talk about it, man. Uh, Sorry, I actually, my camera died because your boy Zach, when he moved locations to this new parking lot, I forgot to turn on the battery that charges the camera. So anyway, here we are. Uh, Let's jump in. You guys, I am so incredibly excited for this weekend. Like, I, I really cannot contain myself. We got college football. We've got NFL playoff picture stuff working out. It's going to be just really fun. We got a couple interesting college games I want to talk about first. I'm not a big bowl game guy, but these are games that are going to be on my radar that I'm really interested in. Uh, on Thursday, December 29th, Texas will play Washington. What's cool to me here is it's Steve Sarkeesian, the Texas head coach, against a team he used to coach for, Washington. Plus, you got two really good quarterbacks, Michael Penix Jr. and Quinn Ewers. I think it's fun. I think it's interesting. That's Thursday, December 29th. Friday, December 30th, you get Notre Dame against South Carolina. South Carolina finished the year really strong. They beat Tennessee, then they beat Clemson. And I would love to see South Carolina finish the year beating Notre Dame as well. Just really end on a high note. I think it'd be nine and five on the or nine and four on the year, which would be massive for South Carolina. And what a cool turn of events for Spencer Rattler, the South Carolina quarterback, who had a rough start to the year and really came on strong at the end. Saturday, December 31st, it's also New Year's Eve. Alabama will play K-State. It's going to be fun. What I'm excited for is Bryce Young, Alabama's starting quarterback, who is probably the number one overall pick. He's going to play in this football game. 
I'm shocked by that. I can't believe that. I'm surprised by that. But I can't wait to watch Bryce Young. He's fun. He's entertaining. And so is K-State, by the way. That's a good game. Now, again, New Year's Eve also, you know, later in the day, December 31st, New Year's Eve, you got the two college football playoff games. You got number three TCU against number two Michigan. Massive game. Jim Harbaugh, can he get to a national title? Can TCU make some noise? They're, they're the underdog, in my opinion. I'm curious about TCU. And then you also get Georgia against Ohio State. All in one day. Bryce Young, then TCU Michigan, then Georgia Ohio State. It's going to be so much fun. What an incredible day to watch all this stuff happen in one one sitting. And uh, I'm, I'm fascinated, man. I think Ohio State has a really good opportunity to challenge Georgia. I think of all the teams left in the Final Four. I don't know that Michigan can beat Georgia. I definitely do not believe TCU can beat Georgia. I think Ohio State has a chance here, and I'm really, really interested to see uh, what happens. So soon we're going to know who's going to be playing for the national title. Cannot wait to find out. Now in the NFL, we got even more fun games. We've got a really interesting game. It's the Dolphins at the Patriots. Miami's quarterback, Tua, is out with a concussion. And so it's a must-win game. The playoffs are on the line. Literally, like, Miami's currently a playoff team. Right behind them is the Patriots, one game behind. And without Tua, the question is, how does Teddy Bridgewater do as a starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins? And actually, the question, in my opinion, is, is Teddy Bridgewater an upgrade over Tua? I think he might be. Now, in Tampa, you got basically a playoff game. Carolina's 6-9. and nine. Tampa's 7-8. and eight. They're playing each other. It's at Tampa. And uh, the winner is going to be in a strong position to win the division, the NFC South. Browns-Washington is also a big game. Uh, the Washington Commanders are making a change at quarterback for some reason. They're going back to Carson Wentz. Good luck. Um, they, they had one good drive last week of Carson Wentz, and they're like, let's do it forever. Hell yeah! Currently, Washington is a number seven seed in the NFC. I worry heavily that they are risking it all to go back to Carson Wentz. And, uh, you know, the playoffs are on the line. How does Carson Wentz play in a big moment? I fear that he's going to play badly. The Jets at Seattle. It's a massive game. Both teams are 7-8. and eight. Uh, Both teams are just outside of the playoffs with a chance, though, to make it in. And Jets quarterback Mike White is back healthy and starting. So it's going to be really fun because Geno Smith is playing against the Jets, the team that drafted him, with the playoffs on the line. I cannot think of a better scenario for Geno Smith to maybe make the playoffs beating the team that drafted him. That would be really, really cool and really, really interesting. Monday night football is Buffalo at Cincinnati. It's going to be awesome. It's two great quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Monday night football is the Buffalo Bills at Cincinnati. It's going to be two great quarterbacks, Joe Burrow against Josh Allen. And we could be watching a rematch uh, of this game in a couple weeks in the playoffs. I'm not really sure what's going to happen. Both teams, you know, Cincinnati and Buffalo are fighting for the number one seed in the AFC. I also wonder, because there's a chance they could play each other again, could we see a more simplified game plan for the two teams? Like, I, you know, are they going to be trying to win all out or is there going to be any sense of, Hey, we got two games left. Let's protect our players or let's maybe not give away our, our strategy against each other. I'm not really sure, but a lot of question marks up in the air for this football game. So the questions for this weekend, let's recap. 
Who's going to play in the national title? Probably Georgia-Michigan. But we're going to learn this weekend who are the final two teams in the college football world playing for the national title. Another question. Can the Detroit Lions make the playoffs? They're 7-8. and eight, And they're on the outside looking in. They play Chicago, then Green Bay. I am going to say I think the Detroit Lions are going to narrowly miss the playoffs, which makes me sad. I hope I'm wrong. Um, but I'm, I'm worried for them. Now, is Teddy Bridgewater an upgrade at quarterback for Miami? I think the answer is yes. You know, two has held back the team the last four games. So we'll see. Is Teddy Bridgewater better than Tua? I, I think it's possible. I It's hard to imagine Teddy Bridgewater being worse than Tua was in that fourth quarter last week against Green Bay. So if he just executes this system and gets the ball to Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, I think they're going to be just fine. Um and that might be might be the right move. I, I don't know. I, I wonder if Teddy Bridgewater has an incredible game. Is there any chance you bench Tua for Teddy Bridgewater? I don't know, but it's going to be interesting. Can Carolina win the NFC South? Winning this week is not enough as far as I can tell. I'm rooting for Carolina, but you got to beat, you got to win at Tampa. Then you're going to have the same record, and then you really got to win again at New Orleans I don't trust Carolina to beat Tampa and then New Orleans both on the road. I worry they're going to beat Tampa, have it all right in front of them, and then Carolina's going to lose to the New Orleans Saints in Week 18, which would be heartbreaking and fitting. What is the Bills-Bengals game going to look like? It's the second-to-last game of the year. It's not a playoff game. However, they're both kind of fighting for the number one seed. Buffalo's number one. Currently, Cincinnati's number three with Casey in between them. But I wonder, is the number one seed in the playoffs even an important thing teams are aiming for? I don't know. Do you want a bye week in the playoffs? Probably to rest, but also if you take a bye week, if you have a week off in the playoffs, does it actually backfire because then you're out of rhythm and out of practice for the playoff game? I'm not really sure. Uh, and, and then maybe I'm curious if we see vanilla schemes. Are teams going to be trying to disguise what they're doing? Because it's very possible that Buffalo's going to rematch with Cincinnati in a couple weeks in January in the playoffs. I'm not really sure, man. So I'm just very curious what the strategy is going to look like for the Bills and Bengals game. And then, man, is Carson Wentz going to be better than Taylor Heineke, honestly? Because Washington is risking their number seven seeding right now in the playoff picture and switching quarterbacks, which if it works out, awesome, but it's also really risky. And if you don't make the playoffs because Carson Wentz, who I guess you're paying a lot of money for, you traded for him, you might as well like put the ball in his court, I guess. But oh man, what's more painful? Missing the playoffs with Carson Wentz sitting on the bench wondering what could have been? Or missing the playoffs with Carson Wentz thinking, ooh, we traded for this guy? I don't know. I'm really curious what happens with Washington this weekend. Here's another question. Who's going to be better? Mike White or former Jets quarterbacks? Because you got Sam Darnold and Geno Smith. You know, Sam Darnold is playing at Tampa with a chance to win their division, the NFC South. And then Geno Smith is playing the Jets directly in Seattle. He's playing the Jets. Both teams are seven and eight. I believe Mike White's going to deliver and play really well. But how, how wild would it be if Mike White was bad 
and then Geno Smith was great, and Sam Darnold was great. And the Jets fans are sitting at home like, we just can't do quarterbacks. We just can never figure out the quarterback position. I love that thought. I don't know. I, I'm rooting for Mike White, though. I hope Mike White does awesome. But it would be a hilarious twist of fate, right? Like a knife in the back of Jets fans if their two former quarterbacks were great and if one of their former quarterbacks beat the Jets and eliminated them from playoff contention. All right. Uh, now let's answer questions from Patreon. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash Zach Shomler. Patreon.com slash Zach Shomler. It's a dollar a month. That's all I ask. You donate a dollar a month, you get access to submit questions on the show. My only guarantee is I look at questions with my eyeballs. I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. My only guarantee is I look at every single write-in with my eyeballs, and I pick the top couple to read on the show. Patreon.com slash Zach Shomler. Let's start today with Troy. Troy says, hello to the all-important Zach's eyeballs. Hope you're feeling better. How do you feel about Zach Wilson and the Jets? Will Zach be traded? Will the Jets move with Mike White into next year? How would you handle their quarterback situation? What would I do if I was running the Jets? Um, first of all, I would start Mike White. Mike White. Mike White is the best quarterback he got in New York. He should be the Jets' starting quarterback. But I would, I would keep Zach Wilson. I don't know what you benefit by getting rid of Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's talented. He's got a high ceiling. And he's on a cheap rookie contract. So, I, again, what do you gain by getting rid of Zach Wilson? I'm not really sure. Is someone going to give up a high draft pick for him? I don't think so. So why not keep him on your roster and see if maybe he can turn into something? That I, I don't know that I love that either, though, because I think the best thing for Zach Wilson might be to get a fresh start somewhere else with a different coaching staff. So... um but what's best for Zach may not necessarily be what's best for the Jets. And I can't think of a benefit for the Jets to trade Zach Wilson away. Elias writes in. He says, oh no, excuse me, Aiden first. Aiden says, hey Zach, do you think it is time for the Jets to move on from Zach Wilson? If so, do you think he got a fair chance and which team might be better suited for? Which team might he be better suited for if he were to move on? I mean, I got a couple chaotic ideas. What if we saw Zach Wilson with the Patriots? <laughs> Playing the Jets twice a year. That'd be kind of fun. Drew Bledsoe went from New England to Buffalo, so there's that possibility. But I don't see that happening. Um, where could Zach Wilson go? I think Minnesota's really interesting, sitting behind Kirk Cousins. Um, I think of, man, I think Kirk Cousins is a great idea. I think the Saints are a good idea. The Saints um, do not have a first-round pick. I think you could treat Zach Wilson as a de facto draft pick. He's a young quarterback. He's 23 years old, got a lot of future ahead of him. Um, I, I just hope Zach Wilson goes somewhere where he uh, gets an opportunity, like a real one. But let's be clear about something, Aiden. Zach Wilson got a fair chance. Zach Wilson had a lot of talent around him. He had two years with a team giving him the benefit of the doubt over and over and over again. And Zach Wilson wasn't good enough. Mike White showed that quarterbacks can do well in the Jets' offense. It's not a 
system problem. The problem was Zach Wilson not being disciplined enough, frankly, uh, and looking like the game was just too fast for him. So uh, Zach Wilson got a fair shot, but it doesn't mean I wouldn't like to see him get another one someday. Elias wrote in, Elias said, Hey, Zach, hope we're doing well. Got a question for you. Who do you think has a better overall situation, Miami or Jacksonville? I look at it like this. Miami is great and has a loaded offense, and Tua is a good quarterback who executes the offense. But Jacksonville is Trevor Lawrence, a dude clawing his way to the top five quarterback list and with worse receivers. Zay Jones was basically a nobody and is now a top wideout for the team. Evan Engram was trash and now is balling the F out. And Kirk, uh, Christian Kirk's contract got scrutinized by the entire league, but is now Trevor's favorite, we- uh, Trevor's favorite weapon. And we at least, uh, unless we forget, Calvin Ridley is coming back to the team next year. You wrote Trevor, not Trevor, but we can ignore that. Potentially, there are four really good targets for Trevor. Also, the defense has played clutch in a lot of games and play complimentary football. And to top it all off, Doug Peterson is one of the top play callers in the league. I don't watch Miami much, but I know you like them in their situation. Basically, at the end of the day, I ask you this. Would you rather have a car with a great engine, Miami, or a car with a great driver, Jacksonville? Sorry for the long submission, but I'd love to debate this with you. If you get a chance to come through Wyoming in the summer and go to Yellowstone, love my home state and think you would too. I think... If you get a chance, I've already, I did Yellowstone in 2020. I was actually in Yellowstone, uh, the middle of the, the Rona times and it was empty and it was awesome. And it was really, really cool. Um, Elias, I would rather be the Jacksonville Jaguars, I think, than Miami. Although Miami certainly, um, would be tantalizing too. Tyreek Hill is a little bit older. Tyreek Hill is they are, you know, the Miami Dolphins are heavily dependent on Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, which feels like a compromised position, and it's a bit scary to me, to be totally honest. Um, I think the Jaguars have a better foundation for their football team. Coaching quarterback are the two most important positions in football. Miami only has one of those positions figured out. They've got a great coach. I'm, I'm very skeptical of the quarterback situation in Miami. And I think what Miami really needs is a quarterback competition because in the second half of year three, Tua has totally collapsed. And it's unacceptable. Tua's not playing well enough at all. And he's got no excuse. There's everything going for him. He's given every luxury a young quarterback wishes they could have, and Tua still isn't playing good enough. So um, I would way rather be the Jaguars. You've got a coach and a quarterback figured out and a really good foundation than Miami, who's got a great coach who I love, Mike McDaniel, and then a team that's heavily dependent on Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill being healthy, which, as they get older, is going to be less and less likely. Oh, and you got to figure out your quarterback situation. I think your quarterback isn't good enough, so I would way rather be Jacksonville than Miami. Nathan Peterman writes in, says... Given you didn't like Zig Zag Zack Attack, I've got some new ones. What's up, Zack Lantern? Is that a better name? LOL. How about Nut Zack? I'm getting better. What's Nut Zack? Nut Zack. 
That's good. Actually, that's pretty. That's funny. I mean, Zach a lantern's even. I don't know, nut Zach. <laughs> you got me, dude. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Um, but getting to the point, do you remember at the beginning of the year, one of the most interesting storylines was about how Trey Lance would finally be leading his new team into battle. As we all know, he unfortunately didn't make it through the first couple games, but it made me think, as a former quarterback, if you were Trey Lance, how would you be thinking about this situation? Would you be cheering on your team, happy for them, and glad to see them winning, or would you be scared for your job, or maybe even a bit jealous that Brock Purdy is getting to drive the car that you were promised? And yeah, my name is Jacob. I'm taking after the GOAT Nathan Peterman, even Tom Brady, can't live up to the crazy high bar that Nate has set. So you chose Nathan Peterman as a, a username, but your name is Jacob. So maybe in the future I'll call you Jacob. Um, all right. If I were Trey Lance right now, I would feel jealous. It would be hard not to. I, I'm pretty lucky. I, I never got hurt in my football career. Never once. Um, I never missed a game. I was pretty... In fact, um, my junior year, I switched high schools to a new high school. I went from like a really poor, crappy high school to a, I lived in a mobile home, but I went to a really rich, expensive neighborhood, really nice high school, great facilities, great football team, great players everywhere. Uh, I started the year, my junior year as the backup in game one. I mean, I was a six string quarterback in fall camp. I went from six string to second string. Then in game number one, Prairie High School, uh, the starting quarterback breaks his foot. I'm the quarterback the rest of the year. And so uh, I have to kind of put myself in the shoes of him. I'll tell you what, when the starting quarterback got hurt that year, my junior year. He was a senior. We never got along. He never liked me. So uh, I think he was jealous. Um, I would have been too. You know, my my, my opportunity um, was taken away from me from something I can't control, like an injury. That would suck. And I, if I were Trey Lance, I would feel very nervous. I'd feel very uncertain. Um, there's so many unknowns ahead of Trey Lance. Like, does my team still want me? That's that's a horrible feeling to feel. Does my team still want me? Can you imagine that? And then, really, it's a test of confidence for Trey Lance because how do you still be confident in yourself? I mean, I think you can because your confidence should not be tied to Brock Purdy. Like, okay, Brock Purdy's pretty good. So am I. Like, that's the ideal reaction is, okay, he's good. I'll do better. Bet. I'll show you what I can do, but we'll see. It's, it's going to be a really tough test mentally for Trey Lance, I think, more than anything. We know he's a talented athlete, but the pressure just went up a lot around Trey Lance, and there already was pressure. Um, but now he's got a guy who we all think can do his job better than him. Does Trey Lance believe that? I For his sake, I hope not. I hope he believes he's awesome and is very confident, but... Um, I'm really, really curious about the future for Trey Lance moving forward. Nasty the Samurai writes in and says, For better or worse, what teams have surprised you most late in the year and why? Oh, man. I think it's the Jaguars, honestly. You know, I, I really... They started the year rough, but I kept saying, Be patient, be patient. Trevor Lawrence is going to come. It'll be okay. But I never imagined they'd make the playoffs. I, I knew, I, I remember saying at some point, like, oh, they could finish the year with this great record. I remember saying, like, ah, oh, they've got a cool thing ahead of them. But I never imagined the Jaguars would actually have a shot to win their division and get a playoff game. That's so cool to me. 
And, uh, oh, man, I'm, I'm so excited for them. I, that, I think that's a team that surprised me more than anybody. Um, like, who else could even be eligible to surprise me? I'm thinking, I mean, Miami surprised me because they've lost four in a row and fallen off a cliff. That's surprising for sure, um, but not in a good way. The 49ers have surprised me because they've survived now two quarterback injuries. To be on your third-string quarterback and still be a Super Bowl contender is unbelievable. I mean, it really, like, you know who's got job security forever? <laughs> John Lynch, the GM of the 49ers, who's built a team so good, they might win a Super Bowl with their third-string quarterback. A guy he drafted, by the way, and can technically put his name on. Like, what? That's insane! I wish I could say Dallas has surprised me, but they haven't. Dallas is so inconsistent, and uh, that's unfortunate. You know, I, I'm trying to think. Like, are, are the Patriots a surprise? I think the Jets are a surprise. I thought Zach Wilson was going to really deliver this year and be awesome. And Zach Wilson has been such a disappointment that he, he got benched twice in one year. He lost his job to Mike White, and then he lost his job to, oh, what's that guy's name? The CFL quarterback, Stephen Cordman or something. I forget the guy's, I can't remember the guy's name. That's how bad Zach Wilson was. So, uh, I think that's enough riffing on that. But um, the Jaguars, for sure, went from a team that I thought I'd promised to a team that might make the playoffs, and that's crazy and really, really exciting. Uh, I got to share, there was a woman who, who, who stopped, she parked next to my truck. And she was just looking at me for like a long time. And I'm trying to like do the show and just ignore her. And she drove by really slowly and just like filmed me while she drove by. I, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just a guy recording a podcast. So I, I had two cameras on me briefly. And uh, we'll call her a Karen. Maybe she is, maybe she isn't. But I'm no danger to society, lady. I'm just a depressed guy talking about football. Leave me alone. <laughs> uh, Tyler writes in, Hello, Sir Zachary. Are there any cool or major rule changes you'd like to see incorporated into the NFL? I know a big one that I've heard is allowing a team to play uh, from 4th and 15 to replace or be an alternate option to an onside kick to make the game more entertaining. Do you have any creative rules or changes of your own that you'd like to see? Happy holidays and take care. You know, I like that idea. Instead of an onside kick, which feels like such an unlikely opportunity, 4th and 15, you get one down to go 15 yards or farther. That's a real shot. That's interesting. I like that idea a lot, honestly. Um, and that would make football way more exciting than an onside kick. So I, I, first of all, let's just say, great idea, Tyler. I know you're probably not the person who came up with that, but I, I want to support that idea. But here's what I came up with. Um, I think replay needs to be fixed and, and expanded and made better. First of all, you need a New York override where... We have this long process, and there's all these things that can and cannot be appealed. No, no, we got to nix all that. Why are there rules about what can and can't be reviewed? How about if it's clearly and obviously wrong on replay, you fix it? Doesn't matter. Why do we have these arbitrary rules that we can fix this, but we can't fix that? No, no. If New York, the, the NFL headquarters, sees something on film, it's like, hey, that's wrong. Live in real time, they call the refs, they change it, let's fix that. No more calls that are obviously wrong on film. Like, for example, uh, a missed face mask. You should be able to... Why can't the NFL say, hey, on video, that guy yanked his neck down hard with a face mask. That's a penalty. It should be a five-yard... It should be a flag. Like, why not? Why can't we fix that with penalties or with, with reviews? And then also, 
you need to be able to review Roughing the Pastor. Like, it's getting absurd and really bad. Um, and it shouldn't be on a challenge. I think it should be on the NFL to be like, let's make sure that's really Roughing the Pastor. And if you do review a really brutal, like, I think what I would call shameful, wimpy Roughing the Pastor call where, like, a, a defender sacks a quarterback like we saw with Justin Herbert recently. And I'm like, that's a penalty. It's like, well... How about you review it, and then if you review it and still say it's a penalty, then you got to justify it, and you got to sit in your stink. You got to say, "Hey, we we're double it. Make them double down on a bad rule." That that I like that idea. So I, I wish you could review more stuff in the NFL: face masks, penalties, everything. Everything that's on video, easy to be shown as right or wrong, should be reviewable. I don't know why, like. It's just really frustrating at home to be watching from home being like, that's wrong. I can see it clearly in the replay. Why Why can't, if we know it's wrong on video, why can't we just fix it in game? That's my thought. Uh, Pat Starfish writes in. Pat Starfish says, Merry Christmas, Zach and his eyeballs. I've watched your content for years now, and it's my favorite sports podcast. On to the actual question. What do you think will happen with Lamar Jackson's contract situation in the offseason? Do you think the Ravens will give him a new contract or will he be traded? I'm a huge Ravens fan and I'm split on the issue. I love Lamar. He's my favorite player and the only one of two jerseys that I own. I don't want to see him leave. But at the same time, Lamar hasn't played like someone who deserves a fully guaranteed contract. And combined with his injury, it makes the situation more complicated for me. I'm curious about your thoughts. Thank you for reading this question and all the hard work that you do for the show. Thank you, Pat Starfish. I appreciate that. Um... Here's what I would do, honestly. I wouldn't trade Lamar Jackson. That's that's a bad idea. You don't cut him. You don't trade him. None of that. Um, he is going to be a free agent. <clears throat> I uh, either he's going to sign. What what I would do is I would offer him less money, fully guaranteed. I, that's the that's always going to be my answer with almost every quarterback. Give them less money, but make it fully guaranteed, so they're set for life no matter what happens. Right. Give Lamar $100 million for four years, $25 million a year. Bam, solved, done. If he doesn't want that, then you risk letting Lamar go talk to other teams and uh, hearing offers from other people. I got a couple thoughts here. First of all, there are so many interesting names out there at the quarterback position. If you lose Lamar... There's a lot of other people out there. There's Baker Mayfield. There's Derek Carr. There's Zach Wilson, who's a project, but maybe he could salvage. There's a lot of quarterbacks in the draft. I don't know that Lamar Jackson is as irreplaceable as he thinks. Meaning, I think you could replace Lamar Jackson. Not, not that's, that's, wow. Well, let's back up there. I don't mean replace Lamar Jackson because you can't. There's only one of him. But if Lamar Jackson leaves Baltimore, you can find another productive starting quarterback. We're reaching a point of almost oversaturation where there's so many quarterbacks out there. And I don't know. You could also just franchise tag Lamar Jackson. Bam, solved, done. Uh, it would be a short-term solution, but the reality is I think all this conversation is is meaningless because I think Lamar Jackson's just going to get a contract somewhere and we're going to be totally fine and not need to worry about it or think about it much again. Cameron writes in. Cameron says, Hey Zach, 
Tua won the fan vote for Pro Bowl for Pro Bowl. Excuse me. Tua won the fan vote for Pro Bowl over Patrick uh, Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow. Got any thoughts, Cam? Yeah, man. The fact that Tua would make the Pro Bowl over Josh Allen, <laughs> Joe Burrow, and Patrick Mahomes is insanity. Um, so let's be clear. Let's just say it like it is. Pro Bowl. Pro. I can't even talk. Pro Bowl voting. It's nonsense. It's stupid. Um, also, I think another factor here is a lot of people don't want to play in the Pro Bowl. There's no game this year. It's, I think it's just a skills competition. Dude, if I just played an NFL season, I'm like, I'm not going to Vegas to run around in shorts. Like, sorry, I'm going to the beach. Excuse me? You want me to go do what? For how much money? Dude, I'm a multimillionaire. I'm going to the beach. No offense, but I'm I'm out. Like, it would be really hard to convince me to go to the NFL Pro Bowl after I've gone once. I'd go once because I'm interested and young and excited. But after that, I'd be like, I'm not going. And I think that's how the NFL views the Pro Bowl now. No one wants to go do it. All around, it's a lame thing. And I think what the Pro Bowl should be is a list of players who had a good year. That's it. It's a list. You get a starting AFC roster and a starting NFC roster. That's it. You're done. You get a little bonus if you make the Pro Bowl. That'd be pretty cool. Give players more money. Then there's a reason to be excited. Yeah, 40 grand. Hell yeah. Like something like that. But And for like a guy's like, there's a kid in Washington who got the special teams nod. For him, a, a, a financial bonus would be really exciting. So I, I think that's cool. But um, it's the Pro Bowl is trying to be more than it should be. And it's just stupid nonsense. Carl writes in. Oh, man. I'm noticing a problem here in my notes. Earlier, I said that Detroit was probably not going to make the playoffs. I said narrowly miss. Um, I remember at the time thinking, is that right? I don't know. Let's rectify that a little bit. Carl wrote in. Carl said, good day, Zach. With everyone in the NFC wildcard race losing this weekend and Green Bay winning, the NFC wildcard race just got a lot tighter with two games left. I feel like Seattle peaked too early. Washington might limp in because of the tie. Detroit has an easy schedule, and Aaron Rodgers has plot armor. What does that mean? Like, I know what it means in, like, a scenario like Game of Thrones where they're, you know, the plot, the writer is going to protect them. But what does it mean in the football world? Aaron Rodgers has plot armor. If someone, if someone knows about, just write in. I'd love to hear some thoughts about what, that may or may not be. Anyway. Um, personally, he continues, Carl says, I personally feel like the Giants are a lock at this point, but who do you think claims the last two wildcard slots? Um, hmm. Well, let's, let's be clear about one thing. If the Giants are a lock, then there's only one slot left because Philly and Dallas cannot both win their division. So one of them is a wild card team. So that spot's already locked up. Let's say Philly wins the NFC East. Dallas is already a lock for the wild card. So then there's two spots left. One of them might be the Giants. The Giants play Indy, then at Philly. That's a good schedule because, you know, and by the way, the Giants right now are the six seed. The Giants are eight, six, and one. Washington is seven, seven, and one. Then Seattle, Detroit, and Green Bay are all seven and eight. The Giants play Indy then at Philly, and Philly might rest their starters in Week 18. Good likelihood that the Giants win. And, and I don't think Philly really wants to block the Giants from making the playoffs. Like you could try to play your starters and beat them, but I don't. I wouldn't. If I'm Philly, I'm like, I'll play the Giants in the playoffs. Why not? They're terrible. Hey, let's do it. 
I, if I'm Philly, I'm confident I can beat the Giants in a playoff game. I'm not worried about trying to keep the Giants out of the playoffs. I don't care. I'm resting my starters. Um, Detroit plays Chicago, then Green Bay. Green Bay plays Minnesota, then Detroit. Green Bay, I think that's a tough game against Minnesota. Seattle plays the Jets and then the Rams. I think Seattle's going to lose to the Jets. I think Minnesota's going to lose to Green Bay. So I think Green Bay's going to lose to Minnesota, excuse me. I think Detroit is the best team to get that final number seven spot in the NFC. To beat the Bears and Green Bay, go 2-0 and in the final two games of the year, that's very possible. So I think Detroit probably is a team I think makes it into that final spot. This would be Dallas, New York, the Giants, and Detroit. I'm out on Washington. Washington decided to go back to Carson Wentz at quarterback. I don't agree with that move. I'll tell you what, though, that, that Green Bay-Minnesota game, I you know, maybe I should have talked about that more during the weekend preview because that, oh, Aaron Rodgers playing Minnesota, NFC North battle. Like, I love, I love this time of year because there's so many compelling, interesting matchups, and uh, it certainly is a lot, a lot of fun. All right, <clears throat> Nathan writes in. Oh, no, we got one more. We got two more. What? How did I miss that? Oh, we got Reefer Madness and Ray. Reefer Madness writes in, says, Hey, Zach, football-related question here. What are the Broncos supposed to do? This poor franchise just fired Nathaniel Hackett, but that probably isn't enough to fix the mess. Russell Wilson is flat-out not playing well. Not seeing wide-open receivers isn't a coaching issue. While Nathaniel Hackett was hot buns and didn't deserve to be a head coach, what else needs to be done in Denver? Do you ask Russell Wilson? Kind of hard to do considering all the capital they traded uh, and all the money they owe him. Basically, if you were John Elway, what the hell do you do? Love your show dearly. I have an unrelated note and question I'd like to add as well. I am going on a solo road trip from Illinois to California. Never done a drive like this. It's all about the journey, not about getting to the destination, of course. I know this is somewhat up your alley, so I'm wondering what tips and tricks do you have for me? Thanks as always, Reefer. First of all, um, get a Planet Fitness membership. It's like 27 bucks a month. It allows you to go to any, the black membership, the $27 a month one, allows you to, I think it's like 25 actually. Uh, I, I have sales tax in Washington. Uh, it allows you to go anywhere you want in the country that's a Planet Fitness location and get a shower, and that's really huge. Um, Buy a water jug, like a big five-gallon blue water jug. That's massive. Get a sleeping bag. Dude, I just dropped the lid to my my chapstick, and I'm so sad. And I'm not going to go find it. Yeah, it's gone. It's gone forever. Oh, man. That sucks. I'm really sad about that. Um, So I buy a water jug, buy a sleeping bag, buy a um, Planet Fitness membership, and then... You know what? Great food on the road is goldfish. They don't go bad. You can you can like put them in a cup and drink them while you drive. Awesome, awesome stuff. Like you know, I, I mean, like eat goldfish while you're driving, as if you're drinking from a cup. Really helpful. So those are my tips for you, um, Reaver. I think that the Broncos are stuck with Russell Wilson for now. You can't. You, you just can't get rid of him based on how much money you owe him. Uh, I think you hire Sean Payton. Uh, you give him like a hundred million dollars, give him a lot of money, make him happy. You got to do what you got to do, man. The Broncos have been bad for a long time. They're trying to win. They got to pay the money. Um, and then I think you draft a mid round 
talented quarterback that you could develop. A guy like, uh, oh man, you know, a lot of the names are staying in the, in college, but maybe Anthony Richardson or something, right? Um, I don't know. I, it's going to be really expensive to hire Sean Payton. And I don't know that I would want to work with Russell Wilson. But, oh man, you, you said it. Nathaniel Hackett was a disaster. I think the only way forward is Sean Payton. Um, Sean Payton, maybe Eric Bieniemy from Kansas City. Although, would he go to a division rival? I'm not really sure. But you got you got to hire a really, really solid, really, really good coach in Denver to fix the mess that was created. No more. Probably the reason why you don't go with Eric Bieniemy and you go with Sean Payton instead is because you need a known commodity. You need a coach that people are confident in that's going to work. Because you, you can't have an unproven guy fail again. Nathaniel Hackett was such a bad look, and uh, you can't do anything even remotely similar to that at all. I'm going to pause and look for the, the lid to my chapstick. I think I can find it. But we'll see. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. Haha, we got the lid. Watch me drop it now. That'd be really funny. What a horrible turn of events. Like, I'm like, ha, I'm like showing it off and I drop it. Um, all right, not a sponsor, but I got a Chipotle gift card for Christmas. Chipotle is calling my name. If they want to sponsor the show, I will happily sing the praises of Chipotle for money. <laughs> please, hey, please, right? I, I record these long episodes. I get hungry. Uh, I need some kind of like a McDonald's sponsor, Chipotle, some some kind of food sponsor. I would love, dude. You pay me to talk about food? Are you kidding me? Absolutely, I would do that. Um, Ray writes in. Ray says, "Hey there, Zachariah. What is your one hundred percent honest take on the situation with my Patriots?" Every week I say Bailey Zappi's name trending because my fellow Patriots fans desperately want him to take Mister Oatmeal Jones's position, which I think is ridiculous. We would, be, we would be in the same position or worse with Bailey Zappi. He played bad defenses, and when tested against a solid defense like Chicago, he could not do anything. My problem with this is that I do not see uh, nearly enough backlash towards Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, who are bigger clowns than the other incompetent coordinators like Todd Downing. The problem is not Mac Jones, and I really do not want to hate on Bailey Zappi because he, he's a good guy and a talented quarterback, but blaming Mac for all the problems isn't fair when there's a much bigger problem. Side note, if you haven't seen, former Patriots Vince Wilfork and Julian Edelman have been bashing Oatmeal Jones, and I couldn't help but laugh because where's the same energy towards Matt Patricia? Um, Ray, I think it's very simple. Mac Jones is Oatmeal, right? He's, he's basic. He's got big limitations, but he's not the only problem. It's the chef. It's the guy calling plays and designing the offense. Matt Patricia... Uh, is a terrible offensive coordinator. It's it's both are true. You could have a better quarterback than Mac Jones, and you could have a much better offensive coordinator, Matt Patricia. So it's just it's a the Patriots' offense needs to do something. Nothing's working, and uh, it's a dual problem. It's quarterback and coach. Both could be better, and I think I think Mac Jones could be much better with a better coach. Um, and I I don't know that Matt Patricia would look better with a different quarterback which I think says it all right there. It's more coaching than quarterback. Optimistic Cyclones fan writes in. He says, Hey, Zach, what do you think of the news coming out 
on Monday afternoon that Tua was placed in concussion protocol. I can't think of a player who has been more concussed in a single season in recent memory. They even changed the protocol because of what happened earlier in the year. What disturbs me is that his assumed concussion, quote-unquote, wasn't addressed until more than 24 hours after the game. Do you think there is a correlation between his sustained concussion in the second half and three picks in the second? Is it just bad luck that Tua has been so concussed this year or are the Dolphins mishandling his health? Are we looking at another RG3 situation? No, no, no. You can't compare this to RG3. RG3 tore his ACL. Um, I don't think it's team incompetence as much as it is a couple things here. First of all, you, you always wonder when a player like Tua, who has a bad game, has a concussion because it's also a really clever way to bench a player without hurting their ego. Tua, you're not playing next week. We're going to go to Teddy Bridgewater. It could be that they're just going to see what Teddy Bridgewater can do. And a concussion is a convenient way to bench Tua without making him look bad in the media. More, though, I, I think Tua did get a concussion. So conspiracy theory aside now, the problem is Tua allows himself to take way too many hits. He's also playing badly. Miami needs a quarterback competition, but Tua, you got to protect yourself. Like the dude just allows himself to get hit way too often. He doesn't slide. He holds onto the ball too long. Um, yeah, more than anything, that's Tua's problem. He, he just holds onto the football and doesn't get rid of it. Doesn't give up on plays and doesn't throw the ball away. And, uh, it's not the first time he's been hurt. It's not the last. I've said this before even. So Tua has an injury problem and it's because Tua's got a discipline problem and doesn't get rid of the football quickly enough. <clears throat> Nathan writes in, this is funny. This is one from last week. So the next couple write-ins are all write-ins from last episode that didn't make it in um, that I moved. And this one's hilarious because of the way it aged. So Nathan writes in, Nathan says, uh, you, you might notice a nickname from before. Hey, Zigzag Zack Attack. Not a question, just something I thought was cool and wanted to hear you talk about on the show. Apparently Tua was heavily doubting himself after his tw mediocre 2021 season, especially during all the rumors surrounding the Dolphins trading for Deshaun Watson. He even said that he literally asked himself, do I suck? Mike McDaniel decided to show his quarterback just how great he is by making him a 700-plus play tape of all Tua's best plays ever. This apparently helped him get his confidence up and build his early relationship with his coach. It just made me realize how awesome Mike McDaniel really is and how much he cares about his players. Um, I love that. You know, building up a player and getting the best out of them. That's cool, man. And I think Mike McDaniel really enjoys that process. But what's funny is the way this story has aged because, um, you know, now it looks like Tua has a confidence problem. Right before when they were winning and he told this story, it's like, oh, yeah, like what a great coach. You know, Tua was down and out and he needed confidence and his coach helped him out. But now the same story hits different when you're losing. Um, it's just it's really funny how the exact same details uh, are when you give them a different context are really sad. For example, I live in a truck. I'm, I'm poor as heck. I'm trying to not die. Uh, I'm doing the best I can. And I'm here because it, you know, I didn't have to, but I definitely needed to do something to save money. And this sounded more fun than almost anything else. If I was a multimillionaire living in a truck, oh, dude, I, no one would worry about me. No one would care. It would be a lot different energy. The same exact story. I'm living in my truck. 
would be like, oh, he's weird and cool, but whatever. Instead, now it's like, oh, I feel bad for him. He's struggling with money. See, see how like the same exact thing with a different context can be totally different. And to a story about needing confidence and getting help when he's playing badly makes you go, ooh, this is a guy who already struggles with confidence and now he's playing bad? But does Mike McDaniel have to make another 700 play tape? Like, you know, it makes you look sideways at Tua, um, which is why I think a lot of players avoid giving the media any kind of um, information possible. Will writes in. Will says, hi, Zach's eyeballs. I'm a Texans fan, for better or worse, writing in for the first time. At this point, it isn't exactly a secret that the Texans will probably draft Bryce Young first overall. So my question to you is this. What positions or players should they target with the Browns pick and their high second rounder? Personally, I'd love to see them take a wide receiver like Jordan Addison, followed by the best available defensive lineman at the top of the second round. What about you? P.S. If your road trip ever takes you through East Texas, I'd love to meet up for some good food and drinks. Absolutely. I think that's that's by Louisiana, right? That'd be really interesting. I think Texarkana is out there. Um, Will, my philosophy is that... <clears throat> The three most valuable valuable positions in football are quarterback, receiver, and defensive lineman. On top of coach, obviously, but I mean players. Um, and so I think you draft a dynamic quarterback, Bryce Young. That's a given. Then you draft receivers and defensive linemen. I think you're pretty close. Like I think we, you know, Jordan Asset would be great. Um, I would give the same advice to the Detroit Lions. I mean, once you got on a quarterback you like and believe in. You can never have too many good receivers or defensive linemen. I mean, receivers help an average offensive line do better. It helps you have better matchups pre-snap, and you can get rid of the football. And uh, it, it Look at Miami's offensive line was horrible, then they added Tyree Kill and a different system, and suddenly the offensive line isn't great in Miami, but they're certainly not a crippling problem. And a defensive line makes an average secondary better. If you can get after the opposing quarterback and your corners and safeties don't have to cover for as long, it makes them better. So I think the ultimate cover-up in the NFL world is good receivers and a good defensive line. And so um, on offense, you get better matchups outside. And on the defense, it reduces the amount of time you have to play coverage. So if I was the Houston Texans, if I was the Lions, if I was almost any football team, I would get a quarterback alike, then just in the first two rounds draft defensive linemen and receivers over and over and over again. Uh, you can never have too many, and the impact they have is a butterfly effect on the rest of your team. All right. Um, Kenny writes in. Kenny says, hello, Zach. So this past week was finals week, and for no, uh, for one of my finals, I had to make a video on my topic. So I decided to copy your intro. Good morning, good afternoon, et cetera, et cetera. And my professor loved it. She said it sounded like a podcast and said that I had a natural podcasting voice. So thank you for the A in that class. Dude, I love my intro, man. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I, I, that's my thing. I made that. I'm very proud of that. I, I've heard it recently uh, on YouTube videos, and I'm like, I know where you guys got that. That, that was, that was for me. I'm, I'm, I definitely was the first person to do that. Um, I'm pretty confident in that. Like, good, especially when it's exactly like mine. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. Like, I'm not saying that's the most genius thing ever like it's just a boring straight up thing and i don't even mind that people take it i just want some credit it, it's kind of cool when people like you hear that and you're like good morning good afternoon whatever it is for you 
those exact words and that exact sequence, I'm like, someone got that from me. And that's pretty cool. All right. Um, we got two write-ins left. This one's a really, really long one, but a really, really fun one. And so, yeah, let's let's do this one, the long one, and then we'll do a another one after. James writes in. James says, and this is a, a actually this is a DM James sent me, and I asked if I could read his DM on the show. James said, Zach, just wanted to follow up. I'm the guy from last week who scouted you. He scouted me. He said, to be clear, I wasn't a head or position coach. I was a scout, pseudo trainer, and was an EMT on game days. I didn't control whether or not the coaches reached out to you. But I did recommend that we go another direction, and it's not at all for the reason you expected. I just searched my computer and dug out my old scouting report on you. We scouted a ton of quarterbacks in the 2015 class because our current NJCAA record-setting starter was getting D2 offers, but he was trying to hold out for an FCS offer. He did end up sticking with us for one more year and then transferred to a D2 program. I just looked him up, and he plays professional ball in Poland now. He says, I was actually very high on you as a player. So high that I thought we had a snowball's chance in hell of garnering any kind of interest. We were a D3 school in Minnesota, and I decided it wasn't worth spending our limited recruiting resources on a guy who I didn't think ever would settle for a D3 offer, especially not with your resume. You said we probably figured, Zach is too short, he can't play football, but your size didn't actually figure into it at all. I believed he needed to bulk up for the sake of durability. But your height didn't bother me at all. In my opinion, the primary downside of short quarterbacks is their inability to seat on the middle of the field over 6'6 to six foot eight linemen. Most of our linemen were 5'11 to 6'3, so you wouldn't have had that problem. And to be honest, the fact is when you're a D3 school, you have to intentionally recruit players at D2 and D1 schools view as flawed. I scouted a lot of 5'10 and 5'11 quarterbacks because dudes who were 6'4 uh, and played the way you were actually went, actually went to good programs. That's kind of a compliment, isn't you? Guys who were played like you but were taller went to good programs. That oh man, I've always thought that about myself too. I, you know, it's funny. I read this, but like not as in detail as I'm reading here. I'm not sure if you want the whole scouting report out there in public, so I decided not to put this in your Ask Zach submissions. But I thought you'd like to see it. I cut out the top half of the document because it's just your stats and resume, like the Elite Eleven stuff. But here is the Zach Schaumler scouting report. Holy crap! Let's go through it. Uh, the pros to Zach Schaumler, me, as a quarterback, apparently, according to the scouting report, says he either has lightning-quick decision-making or shows the ability to execute very complex, predetermined reads. Pinpoint accurate no matter the throw distance. Unafraid of trying to drop the ball in the hands of a receiver who has a step on a defensive back. Throwing motion is efficient from the waist up with a quick release. Can quick, very quickly set his feet before throwing when scrambling to either side of the field. He's got light feet. He's not a statue when he does stay in the pocket. His on-the-run throws are very accurate. Has a jitterbug ability that rivals some of the best slot receivers and punt returners I've ever seen. He uses his agility to slip sacks rather than trying to outrun defenders. He displays an ability to remember where the line of scrimmage is, even when scrambling, and will put his toes on the line of scrimmage before throwing. Here are the negatives, the minuses to Zach Schaumler, me, my scouting report from high school from this college coach. He said, the tape plays like a highlight reel for his receivers. Not sure what he can do when the receivers and defensive backs are more evenly matched. He bails out of the pocket way too early. Almost looks like he's deciding to scramble based on pre-snap reads than actually wanting to feel, waiting to feel pressure. 
The tape presents very few examples of him actually reacting to real pressure. Ooh, that sucks. Uh, durability is a question mark based on available weight measurements would need to bulk up to withstand hits. He may not, uh, he may not ever be heavy enough to reliably execute a quarterback sneak against a big nose tackle. That's fair. I'm a small guy. Display, displays average arm strength. Most deep passes have a very high arc. Uh, when in the pocket, Zach Schaumler's throwing motion from the waist down could be improved. His feet get too wide apart, and his rotation is coming from his spine and shoulders only. That's very right. I, my legs got way too far apart, and I, I lost a lot of arm power from that. And so I'm, when you watch Baker Mayfield, I always looked up to his throwing motion because Baker Mayfield's so... He's got a frame similar to mine. Maybe a little bit thicker, but it's a lot of just, it's weights and diet. Um, Baker Mayfield's like exactly my size, but Baker uses his legs so well to generate force when he throws a football, and it really helps him. Um, another minus is if he gets out, if he gets hit inside the numbers, he stops looking downfield until he gets outside the numbers. So I wasn't very good at keeping my eyes downfield when I was scrambling in the pocket. And then, despite his mobility in the backfield, he doesn't display straight line athleticism to hurt defenses with designed quarterback runs to the outside. Also fair. Um, so, like, I think you nailed every criticism of me. I'm a smaller guy with a smaller frame. Um, I, you know, durability is a question mark. Average arm strength, absolutely. I, I probably left the pocket to where they, I don't remember that. I wonder if some of the stuff they were seeing was designed quarterback sprintouts, maybe. I, I don't really know. I would think you could tell the difference on film, though. Um, and I, I, you're right. I didn't have enough straight line athleticism to run for yards, I could really only run to escape sacks. Interesting, man. I think really like a, a very good analysis of my my play on the field. I, I was like a very average quarterback who I think if I was 6'5", probably would have played Division One football, but I was smaller and had enough question marks that like no one wanted to take a chance on me. In fact, a lot of guys I trained with growing up all played Division One football, and I was like the one guy left like holding the phone going like, oh, no one wants me, okay. But everyone else I grew up with played Division One football somewhere. And it was uh, it was painful to see that. Um, now here's James's continuation. He says, overall, Zach Schaumler, ready to be a day one starter in our system. If coached to stay in the pocket, he would need to bulk up significantly in the offseason. Likely going to get D2 or FCS offers, unlikely to take a D3 offer. So anyways, like I said, just thought you'd be interested to see it. But I wasn't sure you wanted to be out there, wanted, wanted this out there for everyone. But you're welcome to share it if you so choose. James... What a missed opportunity, man. I could have been playing Division Three football in Minnesota. What you don't know is I, I, I lived in Minnesota as a kid, uh, and I ended up playing Division Three football anyway. So uh, I might have come if y'all had contacted me. Um, I also remember I transferred colleges uh, right before the Rona season, and it kind of ruined my college career because most schools I was looking at playing for in 2020 didn't have a football season. So I was like, well, where do I go? I got nowhere to go. And I wasn't going to enroll in school and do classes online but not play football. That's a waste of money and time. And um, I don't know, James. I think you had a very honest assessment of me as a player. Like, strengths and weaknesses, everything. I think you nailed it. Um, I totally agree with you, actually. I think, if anything, you were very flattering to say, like, you guys thought I was going to get D2 or FCS offers. I'm not going to lie. So did I. I thought I was going to get Division II offer at least. You know, I really wanted Central Washington to offer me. Nothing. They offered our... The guy down the street. Uh, that was painful. But uh, I don't know. Somehow. It's funny. Like I think actually I'm, I'm realizing now. The 
my, my camera almost died again. But the, the battery turned itself off, which it must be just after a certain amount of time it stops being... Can that... I don't know, man. I don't know what happened. But anyway, here we are. Nothing happened. The camera didn't die. Final question of the day comes from Adam. Adam says, Hey, Zach. A couple times now you've talked about how you wish Phillip Rivers had more playoff wins and maybe Super Bowl wins. That got me thinking about players I wish had different stories. The two big ones are Calvin Johnson and Joe Thomas. Both played for teams that are consistently struggling, uh, that consistently struggled while also being some of the best players at their position. I wish they had more chances to see their team succeed, but those guys have Hall of Fame, have the Hall of Fame to look for. Another player that comes to mind is Sam Bradford. He had some real moments of promise in his career, but just couldn't stay healthy. As a Rams fan, I have to imagine there is an alternate universe where Sam Bradford has put together a great career and has tricked everyone into thinking his, at this point, three-time Super Bowl winning coach Jeff Fisher is a genius. Are there any other players you wish had different stories? Um, man, Sam Bradford's a good one. Really, is. Sam Bradford, what a what a player who just... Oh, man, I remember even... he He was once the quarterback in Minnesota briefly. And it was like, oh, it was working so well. Wasn't he the quarterback? He so he kept getting hurt with the uh, with the at the time St. Louis Rams, Sam Bradford, I believe number one overall pick, but like just an awesome quarterback. Kept getting hurt. Goes to Philly. Played really well for Philly actually, and then he got hurt again in Philadelphia. I think Nick Foles played quarterback for Chip Kelly's offense in Philly. Then he goes to Minnesota. He got another opportunity. I think when Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. And then Sam Bradford got hurt again, and he never could stay healthy. It's, oh, he was he was good when he played, but never healthy enough. Uh, another guy I wish had a a better a different story in his career is Alex Smith. Alex Smith had so many crappy years with bad teams and coaches, and when he finally did well, he lost his job to Colin Kaepernick, and it was like, oh man, like right when he finally started doing something good, he lost his job. It's like, dang it, I don't know, that sucked. Andrew Luck is a massive one, a, a great player who uh, never had a good offensive line and got beat up a ton and eventually just gave up. He's like, I'm, I'm tired of this, man. It's too hard. Uh, I want to just go enjoy my life and do something else. And I I relate to that in some ways, man. Like the, the it's when you have setback after setback, it's really discouraging. And it's just like, oh, am I ever going to be out of this? Like I, I've been in survival mode financially for like a year. And I'm like, man, I, I, I'm tempted to join the military sometimes because I'm like, it'd just be nice to not worry about money again for like for like a while just to be like, hey, I, at least I know my bills are taken care of for like three years. Like, it, it's tempting. And I think um, Andrew Luck just lost hope. He just got tired of constantly being in rehab, and I can't blame him. I, I understand that desire to um, not want to always be struggling. Barry Sanders comes to mind. Barry Sanders was an incredible player who... He put his own limitations on himself, like he retired, I think, to not break some record. But I would have loved to see Barry Sanders playing a great football team at the time, you know, like the 49ers or the Cowboys. I mean, can you imagine? <clears throat> and then uh, in baseball, actually, I think of Mariners pitcher Felix Hernandez, who had so much skill and talent and never had a great team. And, I mean, can you imagine if Felix Hernandez had the run support of the Yankees his entire career? Although he might be more famous with the Yankees, and I don't know that he would want that either. I think Felix Hernandez likes the anonymity of being a former Seattle Mariner. I don't know. But, I, you know, it's it's certainly interesting that um, I think Sam Bradford, Andrew Luck, Alex Smith, Barry Sanders, 
Felix Hernandez. There are a lot of players who have been really great on bad football team or on bad sports teams in general. Another one is Adam Jones, guy I played for years with the Baltimore Orioles, who never really did much, but he was always a great player. Um, and it's just, uh, oh man, you know who's another one is J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt spent so many years on bad Houston Texans teams that were terrible. I would have loved to see that guy win with a good football team. It's sad we never got to see that. Um, so, anyway, that's my list. I uh, Guys, I think it's going to be like a four-hour episode. I'm not going to lie. Um, it's Wednesday. It's 2.19 p.m. I would imagine you're not going to see this until Thursday morning. And I apologize. That's why I think I got to make changes, man. I think I, I, I need to do something that's a little less intensive. Um... I, I just, I, you know what? I, I try to cover every news story and I try to cover, I just, I, I can't keep up. I, I think I'm failing as a, as a news source and I need to do, I want to make sports content. Um, but I want to, I think, I think I like recording on Wednesdays actually, maybe Tuesday nights, the goal, but, uh, it'd be, it'd be great to have a, a show that comes out every Wednesday. That's it. It's reliable. And I talk about last weekend. I talk about looking forward to next weekend. And I answer questions from Patreon. It's kind of a formulaic thing. Last weekend, next weekend, Patreon, and then that's it. Um, and then I really want to do film analysis stuff, man. Like, that's the work I really... I think that's the best thing I have to offer uh, the creative world. And so that's, I think, where we're headed. But like I said, I, I begged you guys to write in and give me feedback. And I, I'm, I'm doing that once again. Please... Let me know what you guys think. Um, and I think I think everyone wants film analysis back. So I think I want to make that. So it's I, I don't I, I hesitate to make my whole business film analysis though, because I know that that can just be turned off at any time and that really freaks me out. So I will always do a podcast, but I want to do that again on the and, and, and I need I just need to shuffle things around so I have a little more time. So um Depression-laden Zach Shomler about to go get Chipotle. I can't wait, dude. Chipotle, it's going to be awesome. I love you. I appreciate you. I hope you're doing well. And uh, have a great day. Ba-dum-bum-bam. We are.